Criterion creeps are coming with Jared and RJ from Renoir to Kurosawa and everything along the way. Highbrow, lowbrow, they won't stop until the This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're just back to us two dudes, us two mm-hmm. killer of men, just looking for dinner and a man of Swedish descent as we watch Spine 176 in the Criterion Collection, The Killers from 1946, directed by Robert Sidemack, and The Killers from 1964, directed by Don Siegel. But first... And? And it's Mother's Isn't there another one? Yeah, there's a short film. But first, oh. Oh. RJ. Huh? Yes? You, you, it's just you. Uh, Yeah, I know. What, are you feeling a little lonely over there? I don't know. You know, it's, it's feels yeah, like... You feeling a little lonely, uh, Jared? I'm, I'm feeling the weight. I'm feeling the, the weight of the world on my shoulders once more. That's uh, different from feeling the weight of uh, that Duncan, usually. <laughs> yeah, my mass. The, the sheer bulk of you. Yeah. For those uh, who are maybe tuning in for the very first time here to like listen to us discuss uh, the works of the Hemingway and film Duncan. and, and the, my bulk. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've had co-hosts via our Patreon offer to come on the show. We, we, had, we, had, that, uh, we had that Frank, we had that Justin, mm-hmm. now it's just us. Well, I mean, for now, right? Mm-hmm. We never know. Someone could maybe drop a Patreon thing while we're recording. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then uh, just be like, we're here, baby. What don't, you going to do? Don't do that. Don't do that. They could. Frank would do that. Frank would maybe don't, do that. Don't do it, Frank. Don't do it. I, I wonder if he's going to, I wonder if uh, anyone's going to take us up on that Patreon goal to be buried with us. Oh, I haven't, um, I haven't put, set that up yet. You haven't set that up yet? No, I forgot all about it. Because that last last week I was up till like whatever, one in the morning, uh, getting that episode up safe so it could be disseminated, inseminated you know, into your ears. Mm, John Cassavetti style. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, see, we'll, connections. We'll get there. We'll get We're there. We're linking things back. You know, I, I realized I really biffed that because I said all of our ashes could be combined into like a crystal. Mm-hmm. But uh, the obvious answer is that we should have been stuffed into a uh, like a firework and exploded in the desert, Hunter S. Thompson style. Yeah, that's what our Patreon goal will be, Jarrett. Hmm. Do you think Johnny Depp lit the firework? Oh, he he inserted himself somehow. He did what? Sorry, R.J. How are things? <laughs> well, I'm uh, for one a little bit shocked at how you just your complete disregard of uh, my my feelings. See, now that there aren't other people here, I can really tell it like it is. And I can just say, Jarrett, I feel like you're not listening to me. Not my words, man. Not my words, but me. My inner me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? What? What? Oh, I'm fine, man. (laughs) uh, I've been Googling lots of pictures of wrestlers flexing. And, um, you know, honestly, it kind of made my day better. 
I'm not going to say why I was doing it, but mm-hmm. I feel like if anyone's having, not that I was having a bad day or anything, it was just a normal day. And then I spent like, I don't know, 20 minutes just Googling uh, wrestlers uh, flexing. Uh, who do you think I, uh, I got five, five main dudes, uh, pictures of them flexing. Who do you think I, I got in there mm. just off the top of your head? I want to see if you can guess it. If you can get four out of the five, that'd be cool. Well, the go-to's right off the top, Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Macho Man, yep. Um, Ultimate Warrior. You are so wrong. What? But uh, I, I will now. Actually, Ultimate Warrior is a good one. I'm gonna get that uh, right now and save that. Dwayne Johnson. Yep. Yeah. Jeez, mm. uh, for you, for mm-hmm. you, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, there's there's the guys like I think of with with the bodies that would be doing that flexing, but. There's the guys that you know of that I know of that I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, would, would you really go this route? Man, so I really don't know. Triple H? Not Triple H. What? Yeah. Not Triple H. Fl- working his quads? Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll help you out a little bit. <laughs> this There's is very w- engaging. Yeah, I'm sure this is engaging. I bet other, I bet fans are making their own guesses. Hmm. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. One of them was uh, a fellow Albertan. Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart, mm-hmm. and uh, that was followed up with a little uh, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. See, yeah, I guess he does do a in-ring flex, but yep. Well, it's like his like pose. He's no Scott Steiner. He's no Scott Steiner, yeah. but uh, I have more of a connection to those two dudes. I also got a picture of Mick Foley just sitting. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a sitter. <laughs> he's just sitting in like a lawn chair, and uh, I'm gonna call that flexing too. Nice. Yep. Oh, I also got a Ric Flair, but I don't think that counts as flexing because it's just him kind of doing his own Ric Flair thing. Wooing. Wooing. That Ric Flair drip that uh, all the kids are uh, hot on nowadays. Yeah. 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 Well, what's up with your life? Have you been Googling wrestlers flexing at all lately? I have not. Um, Well, it's your deal, dude. Oh, man. I've been uh, keeping cool in the basement of my house. It's really hot outside. Some, there's some, I, yeah, I, had, I had to get that uh, weather talk in there. Everybody loves a little mm-hmm. bit of weather talk. Mm-hmm. And their regional specificity, specific, you know, of this like international podcast. This is a global phenom, Jared. But people are interested in what the weather is in different places. I've heard many people in my normal life being like, what's the weather over there? I wish I could Upon listen to a podcast about place. it. <laughs> you do? Unremarkably warm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's pretty pretty hot for this time of uh, year. We still got snow, but uh, it'll probably melt soon. <laughs> oh, that's new. You gotta you gotta you gotta pump the illusion, Jared. Illusion, not illusion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You ever uh, you ever do any uh, words? No, I don't do words. <laughs> uh, see see look what happened. It's you and me now, and uh, I have all this well, pent up. Let's, uh, let's, let's let's try to bring in like third parties here, okay? Third- Let's, yeah. well, let's, get, I, let's go to the emails, okay? Okay. Okay. What about the females? Mm. <laughs> Oliver See, Granger. I've, I've been holding it back because we've had guests the last three weeks. I've been trying to give them time to speak. What's Oliver Granger up to, Jarrett? He's got an email here titled, Old Animation Gives Me Vertigo. Ooh, I thought he was going to say it gave him something else. Great episode, Justin. Was not Ooh. surprised he has his own podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People's mm-hmm. disdain for old movies was brought up. I had a colleague who was generally a good guy, just a normal mainstream nerd, like Star Wars and Marvel movies. 
he, general he, good guy. He was obsessed with IMDb and thought the ratings were guaranteed to be right. I totally disagreed and think those mainstream movies are uh, chronically overrated. So to prove my point, I told him to watch Stalker. 8.1 on IMDb, totally a fair rating, but I knew he mm-hmm. would hate it. And he replied, I wouldn't watch a movie from the 70s. It was baffling. Mm. I know people don't like older movies, and to be honest, I understand it. They aren't as fast-paced as what people want nowadays, but I have never heard anyone just straight up say, they won't watch any movie that is old. So I have heard of um, someone else saying this, an aspiring filmmaker actually uh, won't watch movies before 1990, I think. 1990. Hmm. 1990, which isn't like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's still 30 years ago, but I mean, that's only 30 years worth of cinema, not a hundred. Well, that's the it's thing. a it's real like, thing. So this, this, this Star Wars chump, he's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I, that movie's from 1977. So maybe he just doesn't. <sighs> <laughs> maybe he only watched the prequels, dude. Maybe, maybe. Mayhap. Well, that's different. It, that's different. I'm sure. Do you think he's a fan of like, um, Hidden Fortress? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Do you think it's because he doesn't understand samurai um, culture? <laughs> or like the art of sword fighting? Japanese martial arts. Jap- oh, Japanese martial arts? Yeah, Maybe RG, that's why yeah. he doesn't like it. Yeah, RJ finally uh, read those uh, comments. And... It's like I said. I can't encourage our fans to go out there on the YouTubes and, and just dismantle these people i can't say that mm-hmm. i would never say those things mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know oliver but continues. those guys suck oh okay justin from the future asked about animations in the collection it wasn't mm-hmm. brought up by anyone ralph bashke films a four pack would be great heavy traffic fritz the cat coonskin and wizards mm-hmm. i've only seen the later two but i assume the first two are more of the same and would perfectly fit into the collection I don't know what you mean by that in, in terms of these movies that aren't very good. <laughs> I've never seen nah, any of that I don't stuff, know. So I, I, I know about that Ralph Bakshi, but, like, I don't know. I guess. But it would be, like, one of those things that I'd have to eventually watch one day. Maybe I, that's maybe it's something I don't want to do. You should watch that one movie instead that's, like, the mix. What is it? Cool World? Oh. Where it's, like, a mix of animation? Oh. That's kind of Fritz the Catsy, isn't it? Oh, it's all bad. That's that's real bad. At least it's like, the uh, motto of this podcast. It's all bad. It's all bad. Mm, it's all bad. Yeah. And Vertigo was brought up. I originally thought it was sad mm, news. Mm, yeah. Then I checked my collection. The only only Vertigo stuff I own is some Alan Moore and Sandman. But those books plus Mouse were what got me into graphic novels. So I probably do owe Vertigo a lot. The one Vertigo I do not own uh, by those two is Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Definitely, I mm. recommend. Or, or I, do, oh, I do own not. I do own now. <laughs> are, you, are you talking or oh, is this is, this is me? Are you are you back. misreading things? No, or? I, no, I'm not misreading. I'm uh, I'm not. I wasn't uh, correcting was, some of his. Uh, was his thoughts just coming through text? Yeah. Wild stuff, baby. <laughs> Wild stuff. Oh, yeah, I don't. I, I can't comment to any of that stuff. I don't uh, yeah, know what any of that shows. I've, I've got those Day Tripper comics. Um, I know I was a I was a real uh, Vertigo's man. I was collecting all mm-hmm. those Vertigo comics from Preacher. I bought even like this horrible miniseries that Garth Ennis wrote called uh, Pride and Joy. Oh, mm-hmm. so bad. But uh, those were my early days of Vertigo, and like pretty well 
any any author that came along that I was like, oh, I know them. I would just buy anything along those lines. They were very uh, they were a cornerstone in my uh, comics development. Like what? Like the ones I don't know the ones I talked about already. Hundred oh, okay. bolts. Hundred bolts is a good time. Beautiful, great artwork. Good uh, noiry action. What about um? I think uh, don't you Scalped. like all those? How about scalped? Scalped. Yeah, that's actually isn't Sopranos on an Indian reserve. Isn't that actually uh, a what reserve, Jarrett? It's America, my friend. Oh my! Well, in- Indian we don't bears. live in America. Jarrett, the bigot strikes again. Wow. <laughs> um, isn't uh, I thought isn't scalped a TV show a TV show already? Nope. Isn't it one of them moving shows already? Well, nope. it's no, definitely no. option. Yeah, I'm sure it was it? option like everything else, and then nothing happened. Mm, let me see here. We got some guy named Gil Birmingham attached to it. Well, I don't that, know what there's, that there, there's your first mistake. There's a full cast. It's I don't know. Uh, uh, we sold um, some recently because someone was very afraid that these would all go out of print because who knows what's going to happen with Vertigo. And I looked in the computer, and we hadn't sold a single one of them for like five years. So that kind of tells you where. Uh, Are they going to go out of uh, print? They probably will. Yeah, if, hey, if folks, here's a here's a tip. If you're uh, looking for uh, uh, looking for you know getting in on those Vertigo books before uh, it's too late, do do it now. Are you serious? Why would they go out of print? Uh, because like I know that it, it happens I, all the time. I know it dissolved, but like they won't still just print the well, print. They're going to get repackaged. Like they're going to become probably uh, DC's black label. <sighs> Uh, yeah, I don't any... want that black label shit. Well, if, if you don't want that, and you want your uh, Vertigo Pure. What uncut, about like get them out? Even like Alan Moore Swamp Thing with yeah. that stop? Yeah, RJ. For a man who has a Swamp Thing tattoo on their body, you probably should make sure you get yourself some of those Alan Moore Swamp Things. I got Alan Moore Swamp Things. They're uh, right on my shelf. Do you good. want me to? T- I'll take the computer over there. I'll show you my my little stack. They're frequently being lent out, Jarrett. Okay. Oh, this is cute. Oliver's uh, texting us right now on the Facebook page as we as we record and finish reading his email. Is it about the? Uh... Apparently, he is going to watch the Killers 1964 right now. Oh shit! Hey, you know what he should watch instead? Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid by Carl Reiner. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's a recommendation you'll hear tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you watch that for the pod? This I, I did this not. Week? Fucking chump. Well, maybe if Oliver can listen four hours from now when this episode gets up- uploaded, mm-hmm. he could watch Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and let us know. Yeah, asshole. Huh? Next huh? up, <laughs> Sam Sanchez. There he is. No title for this email. <sighs> baby hey again guys after a few weeks without an email just wanting to chime in last week the subject of mexican independence day came up and someone mentioned cinco de mayo which isn't it it's actually september 16th cinco de mayo is actually a holiday mostly celebrated by non-mexicans as an excuse to get drunk though that's not to say mexicans don't use it for that Mm -hmm. too also, congrats on cornering the Spanish-speaking uh, demographic, as between me yeah. and Frank, about 25% of your listenership is Spanish-fluent. Hooray! It's true. That's an accurate number, I think. Yeah. Also, so why don't you speak Spanish, Jer? Uh, working on it. 
working on okay. that. Also, since a few recent emails have been uh, diving into early movie memories or childhood favorites for you guys, I was curious as to around what age you guys would say you became fully invested into movies beyond more than just a casual interest. How much does parents mm. or older siblings play into that uh, actually developing into a thing? If they don't, what did spark the interest? For me personally, I would say it wasn't until I was 18 or so, immediately out of high school, listening to tons of podcasts. I'm always amazed, mm. suspicious on some other shows saying they were watching fucking Woody Allen at like 12 or so. Mm. Uh, I'm suspicious yeah. of that also. I've mentioned a few times the movies I watched when I was little, but it wasn't out of choice. It was because I was told to watch them. Does that make a difference? Or I was forced uh, to watch them? Well, I can pretty well say, I mean, I was like your uh, your standard teenage kid going to the movies every Friday uh, through junior high and then mm-hmm. the first year or so of high school. And then uh, I had a friend, Corey, who's mm-hmm. like two years older than me, and he had kind of like started getting into movies and like going to like uh, Roger Ebert's page on Fridays when the new reviews were up. And uh, going to like filmsite.org, Tim Dirk's website, and like looking at those types of like the canon of movies lists. And so, yeah, I guess like sometime in high school, but I mean, that's like 16, 17, 18. And then uh, it just kept ramping up, just like drug use. <laughs> I see you're ramping up over there a little bit, even. Yeah. The fans can't see that, but you're real ramping up. Mm-hmm. So, I, I understand why he's suspicious. I would say yeah, 12, uh, 12, mentioned- 12, watching Woody Allen at 12 that like, I mean, I kind of, I knew of Woody Allen when I would have been 12 only because of the critic and that's about mm-hmm. it. But, uh, the type of like movies that Woody Allen was making when I was 12 would not have appealed to me at all, but I would have been like aware of this, mm-hmm. like guy in like tabloids and being made fun of like on cartoons, but I would have been like not watching those movies and I would be suspicious yeah. of those people as well. Yeah, I would too. Um, so like, I think mine's a little different because I think I mentioned before, uh, I was like, my brother had me watch stuff like Fear and Loathing or Clockwork Orange or Pulp Fiction when I was like t- 12 years old, I would say for sure. But uh, it's not like I was going out of my way to fu- be like, ooh, Manhattan, ooh, ooh, or anything like that. He was just making me watch them. And I don't think I even really understood any of those when I watched them. But uh, fun thing, Jarrett, in grade seven, I went as a Clockwork Orange uh, Alex for Halloween to my school. Nice. And all all the teachers went, whoa. They're like, what are you doing here? It's kind of like Bart Simpson. Uh, that was actually, yeah. that was part of it too because I saw it on The Simpsons too. And then I had watched Clockwork Orange. I didn't really know what Clockwork Orange was about. I just know it made me feel weird. And uh, so I, I did it in uh, when I was... 13 in grade 7. So that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I don't think that would be a very cool movie for a, a kid watching because it would just be like kind of weird and boring. And It was weird. Well, I mean, there's like all the violent stuff in there. Yeah. It, and it was kind of boring, but like I sat through a lot of stuff, you know? You know what I mean, Drew? And you still do to this day. I still do because of some older older jerk pushing stuff on me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the same thing. How Wait. Wait a minute. Aren't you the same age as my older brother? Aren't mm-hmm. you also pushing things on me? These movies that mm-hmm. I don't really know or care for. Am I your surrogate brother? Well, I mean, his movies I eventually learned to like. These ones that you make me watch, <laughs> I'll never enjoy. Yeah. Never. It, yeah, it's, it's, it, all the damage is done. 
Yeah, you did a lot of bad stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Sam continues, 18 is probably oh. on the later side. It's likely due to the result of having parents that aren't English-speaking and two older siblings that weren't heavily into movies either, though. They did rent a steady dose of horror movies from time to time, which probably explains my love for horror movies. Uh, which that love for horror movies, which that uh, love for horror movies actually Jeez, led me dude. straight to Criterion around eighteen nineteen. I remember checking out uh, stuff like Carnival of Souls, Yup, The Blob, mm-hmm. and The Vanishing early on, and then branching out to uh, adjacent stuff like uh, Diabolique, Straw Dogs, and M, which just led to further dive into just about everything on Criterion. Yup, sounds about right. Which yeah, that's... then led to finding and becoming a frequent emailer to the one and only Criterion podcast yeah, in the a, universe. Accurate. Everything mm-hmm. has a happy ending, except for RJ. Huh? And yes, I meant Gunt. <laughs> oh, good. Good. See, I knew he meant Gunt. And you See, were trying to but, change but, his but, words. But, well, I mean, it should be Gawk. I mean, come on. Gawk? Gawk. What are you talking about over there? Hey, so I saw this really weird thing today. Keep it up, guys. P.S. Applesauce is an underrated snack. Discuss. Okay, so I saw this weird thing today where someone, it was a news report, and I can put it on our Facebook or something, where it's like Germany cocks uh, <laughs> Nintendo's new release or something. And it, like the article was about how they like let slip that when a, a release date for a game or something. But I was like, when did this become part of like, like common tongue it's like germany cocks up the release again do you think that's what he's talking about over there it's real cock up it's real cock up over there so i like that he was talking about horror and then getting into criterion i'd be interested to hear what other people's first criterion horror movies were do you know yours jared (laughs) uh it would it's got to be like carnival souls or sisters if you consider Mm. sisters a horror movie yeah, I think that's fair. So some trappings. No, uh, no, um, Videodrome or no, Dead video, Ringers. I was, already, or... I was well into it by the time that uh, yeah, Dead Ringers was like long out of print, and uh, not the Brood. That's long, way long, way long after. Come on now. Well, but the Brood. But I do remember, no, yeah, didn't uh, the Brood just come uh, out? Well, actually, the, the one ago. I do remember being really excited about uh, it coming out at the time was Onibaba, the Japanese movie. Baba. Onibaba, which is we'll be watching sooner than later. By sooner, is that like a year or two from now? Yeah, within I think in the next year, I think I think that's coming up, which is cool. Honeymoon Killers, which is more of just like mm. a trashy thriller. That's what I thought uh, was on Criterion Channel for the Killers. There's a Honeymoon Killers three collection, three pack collection on Criterion Channel, mm-hmm. and they tricked me. They tricked me, the fucks. Uh, I didn't watch those though. But hey, what is he talking about? Applesauce? Did we bring up applesauce sometime, or is he just kind of like dropping applesauce? Um. Well, did we bring up applesauce? I think applesauce is perhaps ordered in the movie The Killers. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> At least At in when? The, in the short story, anyway, for dinner. Well, they, I mean, they're ordering chicken croquettes. Yeah. And things of the sort. Well, did you read the short story, RJ? Uh, yeah. Applesauce, yeah. Applesauce is indeed, I just, uh, brought up there. But well, hey, applesauce, well, well, mashed potatoes. Is, 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 it, is it underrated? Applesauce? Yeah. I mean, I think there's... Does it rate? Is it overrated? I think it's overrated. I mean, unless you're a baby. Ooh. I like applesauce on other stuff. Hmm. Applesauce like, is I mean, fine. I like applesauce. I like I think, uh, those, those Mott's... 
uh, sugar-free mm. applesauce things. They yeah, put, you're you're a bad person. Pop those in the fridge. They make for a tasty little snack, RJ. I, I would rather just sick. have apple pie filling. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, you bet. You in, bet. In the form of an apple fritter. Yeah. My mom used to make applesauce, and she'd put quinoa in it, David Lynch style, for a little protein boost. What the fuck? Well, she would make her own applesauce, and she'd just put in like a, like a quarter cup of quinoa, and it would just, like, I don't know. You couldn't even tell it was there. It's just mush. Ugh. Huh. It's all mush. It's all Dunkin' mush. Fascinating. Uh, yes. Uh, got, yes. You got anything else here to add? I don't know. What else were we talking about? I don't know. Okay. Well, it's nice to hear from uh, our um, 25% of our uh, Spanish-speaking uh, fans. I'm, I'm assuming that uh, Guillermo, Guillermo is in there somewhere, too. Guillermo? Mm-hmm. Well, Guillermo, Jodorowsky. Pedro. Uh Pedro who? Uh, Aldovomar? Sure. Aldovomar? Rolls right off the tongue, just like your R's. Aldovomar? Mm-hmm. Those guys? Yeah, all those guys is in here. Yeah. Those guys. Speaking of guys, yep. uh-huh. Justin, Justin Peterson. Oh, friend of the show, Justin Peterson. Now among the ranks of the Criterion Creeps fandom elite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, guys. Thanks again for having me on last week's episode. It was mm-hmm. a truly thrilling and surreal experience being right there in the mix, talking movies with you guys. Now Baby. I am proud to join Oliver as a member of the One Timers Club and salute Frank on his two timer, three timers status. Mm-hmm. It has been said many times that Jared and RJ are super nice guys who make podcasting with them easy, and I second Frank's call to recommend that even more fans out there take the plunge and guest host. I am already eyeing a couple of possibilities for when I may want to accompany you guys once again in podcasting land. Ooh, baby. Now it is time for me to rejoin the ranks of Criterion Creeps listeners worldwide as we hear all about these killers movies and what the hell possessed RJ to watch two more Jodorowsky flicks. (laughs) I mean, there's an explanation for it. I'll get there. Now... To, uh, to a couple questions as always. Now that Fear and Loathing and Monterey Pop have passed Jarrett, what are the mm. two, uh, the new future creeps you and RJ are looking forward to most and dreading the most? For me, I am looking forward to Spine 196, Hiroshima Mon because it will finally give me the perfect excuse to watch it. I would never dread an episode. So instead, I will say that I am most curious to hear your thoughts on the very bonkers Cronenberg movie, Spine 220, Naked Lunch. Uh, I have thoughts on Naked Lunch. I don't know if they're going to be thoughts people like, but uh, I have thoughts on Naked it's, Lunch. I, you know what, though? I don't know how beloved that movie actually is. I don't know. I, I don't even... Well, I think people like Cronenberg. People like to say they like William S. Burroughs, and then you put mm-hmm. them into a movie together. And it's Criterion. People like Criterion. but Oh, boy, do they. Oh, boy, do they. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I have things to say. Uh, so just looking, I, I can... I can answer both of those questions. Uh, my next most looked forward to would be Throne of Blood. Ooh, baby. Or, uh, I don't know, Straw Dogs is coming up pretty soon, and I've never seen it, and I don't know if it's an RJ pick, but we'll see. Uh, you know what I'm not looking forward to? Is this uh, Truffaut uh, collection of movies coming up in a, a month or two? Uh, end of August, I think. Mm-hmm. And do the you know why? The Adventures of Antoine Donnell? Mm-hmm. Remember the last time we saw a little Tony D? Yeah, he was being a little prick all over France. Blowing it 400 times all over the mm-hmm. place. All over. What about you? Are you jacked for uh, Richard III, uh, Spine <laughs> 213? Or? Well, Hamlet was like uh, an about face for Larry Oliver. So Was it? 
Yeah, it was definitely it had some atmosphere. You know, it looked pretty nice. Uh god damn, I'm looking ahead here. Hmm. Like stuff something that I'm genuinely like, oh yeah, I can't wait to watch that again or something like that. Hmm. Oh look, Oni Baba is gonna be episode one ninety six. Oh. Uh, I, haven't seen I that still movie don't know what that is. It's, it's pretty neat. Uh, so that, that one, I guess, Tokyo Story. Getting to watch that again. That movie's pretty pretty good. Um, you know, there's Naked Lunch way down there. Did you say Oni Baba was one ninety six? Well, that's episode one ninety six. I have no oh. idea what the spine number is. Oh, oh. I, I oh, uh, it's spine two twenty six. Yeah. Whoa. 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 I didn't see that one coming. What am I? Well, I still have to source uh, the movie Indiscretion of an American Wife, which is the American re-edit title. What I do you mean by source? I, it's not on the channel. I like the finding like other than actually mm. full. I think it might even be out of print. Like, I don't know. Finding a copy of this is going to be a pain in the butt. Because uh, I haven't found it online through other means. Mm. I'm curious... I am not sure how I'm going to feel about that movie. So that's going to be my... Which uh, one? I am curious. Yellow Be- or blue, though? Uh, they're the same movie. Jarrett. <laughs> Schizopolis right. Schizopol- yeah, might be kind of cringy, too. In what way? Oh, Soderbergh again? Yep. What the fuck? I don't know about that one. I don't know. Mm. I tried watching it before, and I was like, hmm... What about the uh, Guillermo del Toro trilogy at uh, 203? Uh, oh, no, wait. That's BRD trilogy. Oh, it's not uh, GDT. That, yeah, a different different animal there. Yeah. Sorry if this it's, has been covered yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> but who was the very lovely singer you got to record your theme song? I really admire how simple the theme mm-hmm. is while also nailing what you guys are all about. Uh, that would it's be... It's me, actually. That would be RJ. Yeah. Yep. I have a, a very delicate stage presence in my uh my vocals yeah that would be uh a friend of mine ugly cry club mm-hmm. aka amanda and yes she's pretty good where can you find her work jared it's on the if you go to soundcloud i think every mm-hmm. single episode description has a link to her mixtape link well that's all well and good but i don't look at episode descriptions on the wow. soundcloud it's in there where else could you find ugly cry club is she on the instagram is she on the soundcloud the twitter so. the facebook yeah. the tumblr look up ugly cry club look it up ugly cry club okay yeah or uh i think her art is under four core mm. some people may be shocked to find out that i've never met this ugly cry club person you have not I don't even know who, who they are. It's not as your concern. Oh. So it's, it's above oh. your pay grade. Well, all things are, but that doesn't mean you can't get into stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Number three. Are what? either of you guys fans of musicals? I suppose RJ is to an extent due to his love for Sister Act. Can you yeah. name a musical you enjoy and one you don't? It is hard for well, me I to mean, pick Sister a favorite Act. since I love all the classics like Sound of Music. But one that is really special to me is Rent since I discovered it when I played a song from it while marching trumpet in a drum crops. What? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, well, Jared, he's uh, from uh, South Carolina, baby. You know? Sure. Drumline? I, drum, you don't drum know crops? about lines? Well, I know about drumlines, but I don't know what a drum crops is. This is outside I, of I this is outside. That's above my pay grade. Also, my wife and I have enjoyed seeing both the movie and stage play. 
A musical I hated would have to be this year's Aladdin remake. Rehashing mm. the comedy from the original animated classic just does not work for me. And while I loved hearing that start of uh, each of the songs, my enjoyment quickly faded since all of the performances paled in comparison to the original. Speaking mm-hmm. of musicals, I wanted to present RJ with a little challenge. Oh, oh, since God. it will be a long, long time before you guys get to another Lars von Trier film, I wanted to see oh, if no. RJ might be willing to watch his film Dancer in the Dark and let us know next week if this polarizing movie warms him up at all on old Lars. RJ feels free to challenge me back with something I should watch. Ooh. Oh. Oh, oh, RJ's Wait, going. No. He's he's clicking Without around. Without question, go to go watch Butt Crack right <laughs> now. That movie is making waves, making waves. Available uh, on your finer YouTube channels. I uh, while you're giving your answer, I'll see if there's an even better movie I can recommend. Just off the top of my head, Butt Crack comes to mind. Um, in in terms of musicals, Jarrett. Oh, oh, so the Mars Van True thing is that uh. That's not a criterion, is it? It is a movie. Okay, I'll 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 watch it. Is it easily accessible? Uh, from my very shelf. Okay, well, whenever Jarrett lends it to from me, new seer. What is it? The new platinum series, New Line Cinema Platinum. Yeah, they put that out. Okay, well, whenever Jarrett lends it to me, I will watch it tomorrow. RJ. Uh, no, next week I got like two, three-hour movies to watch. <laughs> the week after the week after no, okay no, no, no the week after i'll no. get to that when i talk that's, about my stuff not, uh, he, hey jared hey. in terms of musicals yeah uh i like all the disney films do they count no no I, okay I, fine I, I don't care yeah fuck I, you I, then I, you know what's a good movie what chicago no 2002 shit. jared's favorite movie shit uh okay shit you son of a bitch uh i saw chicago in theaters when I was 12 years old. <laughs> well, there you go, you aspiring cinephile. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I liked it when I was 12 All because right. I, had okay, I have a real answer for you. Okay. I, I do like musicals. I have a real answer for you. All that jazz, baby. Future Creep. Yeah. You ever seen that? I have. It's pretty good. That, that's a good show. And uh, the, the other one that I actually really like is Jesus Christ Superstar. That movie is wicked. Okay. I got I got a... Uh... I'm just looking through my list. So the worst musical that I will just throw out there that I can remember looking at my letterbox in the letterbox era, help, help sucked real bad. Uh, my favorite musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Hey, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I, that I think is pretty awesome. I like that a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, I got another one here. I know what, I know I do. Where's those four stars? I mean, Oh, Rock and Roll High School. I don't know what that is, but okay. Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, I, I mean, saying it again rock, doesn't rock, change that I, I don't know what it school. is. It's a movie. <laughs> well, I still don't know what it is. Paul Bartel, yeah. New World Pictures. Paul the, Blart? The, the, the Ramones. Oh, so not Paul Blart. Not Paul Blart. Okay. Okay. Okay, Jared. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I wasn't really. West Side Story is also very charming. Yeah, I thought you were a big fan of West Side I am. Story. You are? Yeah. Okay. And and it's like it's been a while since I've seen Dance in the Dark, so it's not part of the Letterboxd era because I probably want to rewatch that. But uh, mm-hmm. I I'd be curious to see what RJ thinks of that movie as well. Uh, don't mind it to me because I don't want to watch it. <laughs> that's like okay. That's begging. That's begging for it. Okay. So hey, I have. Uh, for his challenge movies, I would say either butt crack for sure, 
or Actium Maximus. Oh, the come other on. What? Is oh, that not a good show? That I man, I don't I don't want to do that to him. Why? <laughs> he's not ready. He's He's no, not we, not ready. Very well, few people uh, we, are ready. I, mean, for I, mean, we, I, I don't know if we, well, I don't know. I think we were ready. I was ready. You I think that yeah. was like that was your breaking point. I don't know, man. This, this is maybe like maybe baiting it too much, Justin. You're not ready. Mm-hmm. You're not ready for this. What about a, a Mel Gibson pick? Talk, this is toxic, toxic Avenger. No, I, I don't want only trauma things. It's oh. just butt crack <laughs> and Actium Maximus are the the most recent ones. You know, what's a good movie is that Mel Gibson movie Forever Young, where he gets, he gets frozen. It's not actually a good movie, what? but I'm just looking at his stuff. Finally, you know I mean? okay, Justin's going to oh, wrap he, this up. Oh, okay. Finally. Okay. I offer a challenge to all the Creeps listeners out there. Ooh, it would be super cool if everyone mm-hmm. would flood the Creeps email next week and simply say what their first episode of the show was and if they listen to the full podcast uh, or on YouTube. Thanks, brothers, and all have a killer show. I uh, appreciate the email from friend of the show, Justin Peterson. I would also actually be interested to hear what other people's first episodes actually were and i've changed all my answers jared i mean he can watch actium maximus or butt crack but you know what he should watch hmm. riding the bullet by shit garris oh you're so see if he can get through that fucking thing no well well did, what did, did he want no. real did he want a good suggestion yes give oh him, he did give, give him something that like give him something that he has he should check out not okay, like well, not that not that yeah, well, i don't know what mel That's... gibson movies he's seen uh you know what's a w- wicked movie? Is Payback. Hey. Do you think hey, you've seen Payback? You're, you're, you're uh, kind of uh, jumping the gun here, RJ. What about Conspiracy Theory by Mel Gibson? That's one of my favorite movies. Well, I love if, that if, fucking if, thing. If he hasn't watched it, maybe he should. He's watched it. Oh, shit. Okay, let's see if he's watched Payback. Yeah, he's watched Payback. All right. <sighs> I'm going to continue. I'm gonna, you you okay, keep yeah. working here. We got okay. Jackson. Oh, Jackson's here. Hunting and harassment. Hey, guys. This week, I was wondering about Michael Cimino. Given that Jarrett loves Heaven's Gate, I was wondering what your opinions were on The Deer Hunter or any of his other films. Also, RJ, do you know about the rape situation in El Topo? I do now. Keep up the great work, Jackson. Um. So, yeah, I um, when I watched Heaven's Gate, I was kind of like, well, it's a Western. It's I've heard this movie's like a whole, like, you know, piece of shit that like completely killed the new Hollywood. But when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this movie's like so ridiculously ambitious and has like such a great scale and vibe. That I was like, I loved it. I, I was like so amazed by how good this movie was in comparison to like how bad its reputation was. So that always struck me. The first time watching, I was like, man, this movie's incredible. What, what are, what's wrong with people? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like Semino stuff, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot is pretty good. With uh, Jeff Bridges and Clint Eastwood, yeah, that's a good that, show. That, yeah, that one's like a it's very not great, but it's, it's good. Yeah, it's like a it's a solid like seventies time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a good time. Deer Hunter, I've only ever seen once, and I, that's like when in my early days of uh, cinephilia. Mm-hmm. You know, get it, RJ. The what? Sorry. Yeah, and um, I didn't wasn't crazy about it. I remember being kind of like when you're watching like Godfather and these other big 70s movies like Taxi Driver, uh, later on Raging Bull, you watch Deer Hunter, and it's kind of like, oh. But mm-hmm. I, I got the Blu-ray of it, and I'm planning on re-watching it at some point, maybe this year, 
So, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. God damn, what else? Is he? he has like that. What was crunch. the question again? This Mike, is just Michael for Cimino. you, right? No, he's got one thing about asking you about rape. And um, well, I, I, I remember you're not very, you're not very uh, forthcoming. You're the dragon I've never seen. And uh, oh, I've never seen the Sicilian or Sun Chaser with. Was that Woody Harrelson? I don't know sure any is. of the shit you're talking about. Is this yeah. related to um, to Minas Mira Servino? No. <laughs> is she the daughter of this person? Michael Cimino. Paul Servino. Michael Cimino. What about Paul Servino? Is he Mi- Mira Servino's dad? Probably. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you have more stuff? That's it. And then I got okay. one, I got another email though. Oh shit! Well, well, yeah. I I I'm aware of the rape. Nice. I'm aware. Good. Okay. Good. Uh huh. Frank Solano. There he is. The sequential summer sickness singularly strikes the Solano again. Ooh, baby. Good evening, creeps. Apparently, it seems that it's that time of the year when I get sick for no real reason. So as I agonize in bed between wondering what viable ways of disconnecting my brain from my nervous system permanently so as not to continue suffering, oh, I came up with a few fun little questions for you guys to answer. So okay. easy questions. Mm-hmm. If you had to replace the entire cast in one of your favorite films, let's go with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with one actor, a single person filling in all the roles. Jim Carrey. There you go. Yep. Jim Carrey. Done. What about you? Uh, Jim Carrey. Okay, good. If you had to erase two out of, or uh, what's his ass? Uh, South what's African his ass? South African actor uh, who did uh, the same thing in Hardcore Henry. From District 9? Yeah. Uh, Sh- Shapko? Shartol Copley. There you go. Shartol Copley. He, he's already done that. If you had to erase two mm-hmm. out of three of your favorite directors. <laughs> Let's go oh. Lynch, PTA, and Wes Anderson off the face of the planet, their filmographies included. Who would remain in existence? I don't know. That's tough. I would say, I think, like, Wes Anderson's gone. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. Uh, I think. Twee I, bastard. I, I, would, I, would, I would say PTA. His movies mean more to me. I, I like David Lynch's movies a lot, but. Uh, well, it's like. He confuses me. But, but it's like, so. You'd, you'd uh, it, it goes down to Inland Empire and Inherent Vice. Yeah, Inherent Vice is better than Inland Inland Empire. If we're comparing worst movies, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's actually a, an even better. So Inland Empire, Inherent Vice, and then what's Wes Anderson's worst movie? You would say Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Or uh, some other people might say Bo- Bottle Rocket. Yeah, Bottle Rocket's not so great, but that's like his first movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say uh, Moonrise Kingdom for me. So which is the worst out of those three? Or which is the best out of those three worst movies? Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd say Moonrise Kingdom is better than the other Inherent two. Inherent Vice. Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. right. I'd yeah. still kill them, though. <laughs> wow. Oh, wait. Did it specify that you had to kill them? Or no, am it's, I it's, it's, kind the of this, it's kind of like the um, just wiping them from existence. It's very different. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were forced to only watch films distributed by a single company with no option to view any others, which distribution company would you wish it to be? Do you have an answer, Jarrett? Is it Troma? Mm, no. Mm. No, not Troma. I don't know. Like, I mean, this is like a DVD question. 
There is a company called Marmalade Films Limited. They put out the Paddington movies. Wow. That'd be a good answer. That's a production company, though. It's not a distribution company. Oh. Oh, distribution? Yeah. So what, like Vinegar Syndrome? Is yeah. that the... Yeah. Well, just, I'll just I'll say Vinegar Syndrome. What about Arrow Video? Yeah, they're fine. They're better than the rest. What, well, about, sh- what about online streamers like Shudder nah. and uh, Crave? Yeah. And uh, Criterion. those, those <laughs> ones. <laughs> okay. Now that the question portion is over, what? I'd like to have you both do me a small favor before I die of illness. Please try oh. to pronounce these names. Okay. This doesn't work what very names? well because I'm looking at these emails and RJ can't see them. Well, I can hit it, big dog. Well, just read them out. One sec here. I'm gonna I'm gonna send this to you via the face. <sighs> I don't want. I don't want. One second here. I don't want Frank, that. Frank, what are you doing to us? So, what do you want to go back and forth? Why didn't you read this before? I don't know. I don't, <sighs> because that's all we. That's all we play. Okay, so we. <sighs> I don't. I don't have any message, Jared. It's coming. Oh my god! I know you... it. There you are. There you are, big boy. Well, I think it's gross that you said that thing that you just said. It's fine. No one cares. Get over it. I care, clearly. Oh, my God. It's so slow. There. There. Hey, what do you want to do? Uh, you do one. I do one. Uh, Paul Palakowski. Andres Zulowski. <laughs> uh, Kinji Fukasako. Hirokazu Koriida. Ciro Guerra? I would have said Chiro Guerra, but uh, I mean, I, I'm appealing to that 25%. Uh, Zhang Yimu. <laughs> Michelangelo Antioni. Antioni. Hey. Oh. Are those big directors, those guys? I don't know. Have a good one, creeps. Feel better, Frank. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, feel better. Uh, don't be sick. No. Uh, Jared's sick, and he's a bad guy. I'm, but I'm a different kind of sick. Ooh. Well, that is was that fun. Uh, all the emails. emails? That's all the emails. Well, I'm happy that uh, people email into our podcast. Yep. Yeah, definitely the five people who actually listen to it. Exactly. Just and for if, their emails, and then they're already out. And if you're not emailing in and listening, what's your deal? RJ, yes. What have you been creeping on this week? What would you like to hear about, Jarrett? Tell me about these Jodorowskis. Yodor Alejandro Jodorowsky. I believe that is the correct pronunciation. We can consult a C. Our our lingu- uh, linguistic um, expert Oliver Granger. He can tell me if I pronounce that correctly. Jodorowsky. So here's the deal. I watched all these Jodorowskis, as Jackson pointed out. Why? Because uh, I read Dune. And uh, I'm going to watch Dune again next week. And then I'm going to watch Jodorowsky's Dune next week also. Having seen the three Jodorowsky big flicks, uh, I can safely say I don't think I would have wanted to watch Jodorowsky's Dune. Not that I dislike him in any way. But I think that that movie would have been real weird. <laughs> real weird and maybe not good but I mean Nicholas Winding Refn has, uh, he sells 
other, says otherwise. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I watched the other two of the big three. We got last week. I talked about Holy or two weeks ago. I talked about Holy Mountain. Then I watched Sent the Sangria. Uh, Jarrett says it's not Sangria, but I think that's funner to say. Uh, so this is late, later days Yodorowski, 1989. I had no idea it was so uh, late. And he's still uh, making th- movies. He's still making movies, allegedly. Uh, so I think when you gave me this tri-pack, you had said that uh, Santa Sangri was would be the one I would probably get the most mileage out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're right. Uh, and I think the reason for that is because it is the most coherent story of the three. Where I think all three of these movies, halfway through, take a total yep. left turn, and they're just a completely well, other movie. Yeah, yeah. El Topo, I remember, is like, it's like, wow, it's like it is two movies completely, and Holy Mountain even too. I think is two completely separate movies. Uh, Santa Sangri also does that, but in a way that you can kind of see the uh, the like the connective tissue between the two. So it's not like. It's not a complete curveball. So you have this circus. And uh, now that Justin Peterson's not here talking about Dumbo, I can say, uh, fuck the circus. Down with the circuses. Uh, I did say down with the circus last week. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of these circuses, these carnivals. Uh, you know, Jared? You know? I, There's uh, an elephant in Santa Sangri and it dies. Uh, some... Like it. Do- you have some opinions on those? Uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm uh... – yeah, circuses, zoos. I don't know. I'm very uncomfortable with them. I just, I feel like just Google one thing that says circus animal, and then you'll see a video of some guy beating <laughs> the shit out of whatever the animal is. And then you're probably going to be like, oh, uh, you. In this movie, not the elephant. Like the elephant is, I think, and I figured it out, Jer. It's too expensive to kill on screen. They can't just kill an elephant. I, I can say that with complete confidence. <laughs> I know that. But there is a grave robbing scene with the elephant where it gets dumped in a um, just a huge landfill. And then a bunch of like real dusty uh, poor people savage the body and eat it. So that's weird. Uh, so you don't get the elephant. But there is this one scene in this that is like out of nowhere cruel. Uh, it's like where all these just movies- like life. Just like life, man. So all of his movies have like that real Christian undertone where there's like something like this one's very uh, obvious. Like it's all about like religion and stuff. But there's always these um like uh, Jesus, like Jesus imagery. And there's the one scene where the lead guy is like posing like Jesus with stigmata and he's in a room completely full of chickens. And as soon as that happened, I was like, uh oh, <laughs> Uh-oh. And then and then it cut away and I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there were just chickens in there. And then it cuts back and there was some guy like on the scaffolding full on whipping these fucking chickens down at the ground. It is horrifying, Jared. I'm not exaggerating. I watched this with a friend and he also said, he was like, yeah, those chickens are getting thrown at the ground pretty much as hard as they could. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty fucking weird. So anyway, Santa Sangri, you have this carnival, you have this cast of uh, this medley of outsiders, you have the tattoo, the illustrated woman, you have the fat man, the Jarrett Duncan, the carnival uh, ringleader, if you will, you have a, a woman priestess, you have the magician son, 
And then you have tales of women getting their arms cut off. You have actual amputee people, which seems to be a theme in all these movies. It's like the same guy. Well, Holy Mountain's a guy with like no arms or legs. And then this one has a guy with, I think, no legs. And then El Topo has a guy, one guy with no legs and then one guy with no arms. And they team up together. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a real uh, super villain team up. There is. There's a blind guy there, too. So it's it's the trifecta. Uh, this movie. So you have a carnival. And you have these people, and then a woman gets her arms cut off, and then you cut to well, the movie opens with a naked guy on a tree screaming, and then it cuts to a uh, like a hawk, and it's like ha, and it's like this like animalistic interpretation of this feral man, and you're like oh weird, uh, so you have that, and then you have like you cut to this other movie where you get these people with mental disabilities and like down syndrome and they get taken to the movies but then their caregivers leave and then a pimp comes across these guys a drug dealer uh played by one of yodorowsky's sons uh, the lead is played by one of his sons also or like a cousin i think is the the drug dealer he sees these mentally disabled gentlemen and uh says hey you don't want to go to the movies come over here for a minute let me give you some of this cocaine so he gives them some co- some uh, coke, and then he takes them to a whorehouse and buys them some strippers, and then the movie kind of changes, and then you get a grown up magician doing his magician stuff, and uh, it turns into Psycho, uh, the movie, a remake of Psycho, uh, and then you also get uh, what my friend called uh, the Invisible Mom, uh, is what this movie is actually should be subtitled, uh, because you get pl- like you get a very literal shot of the Invisible Man in this, like scenes from that movie but then you have this invisible mom and uh, you have all these like things uh so i i like this one the most because it's like i said it i think it's the most coherent of all of them and uh there were certain times too watching at the start i was like what is going on and then at the end of this one he really like i think goes over uh then he needs to to like tie all the knots or like cross all uh dot all the lowercase j's you know what i mean jerry mm-hmm. so like he he uh ties all the loose ends he's like this is what that is that's what this is this is what that is this movie is actually though it's a, a telenovela a uh like a spanish soap opera because there's so much stuff in this movie where it's like people will, like appear in frame and they'll be like <gasps> and, and there's like gasps everywhere and they're like oh my god oh my god jared so Santa Sangri, it's a horror movie. It's a slasher, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you have any uh, strong opinions for or against Santa Sangri. I've only seen it once. It's been a very long time. I don't really remember too much about it, but I vaguely Good. remember liking it. Yeah. So uh, what about El Topo? El Topo. The mole. One of, so, the, one of those highly regarded westerns. Uh, acid western, and, oh, and, and a definitive example of an acid western. I still don't know what that means, but uh, okay, this is an acid western. <laughs> so I, another movie that's really two movies. The first, first like, actually, this is three movies. The first thirty minutes is a father and son just traveling like a barren, desolate 
uh, wasteland, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. They're encountering like all these like massacred towns with like dead bodies everywhere. The only downside to that, uh, and I'll just get it out of the way up front. This movie has real animal death. Oh, uh, I forgot to mention uh, the other week when I watched Patton. Mm-hmm. There, there's a scene like right off the bat of that movie where they just like shoot these vultures dead. Like, yep. Just dead. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. Cause it's like, yeah, there's, that's no mistake in that one. So that popped into my mind, uh, sometime after we recorded episodes and went, Oh, I didn't even mention that. Yep. I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bummer of like, I understand like the, uh, the visual or like the imagery that Yodorowsky tries to do because he has animals a lot in his movies. And it's, it's usually for a reason. Like, uh, some of the guys later, like one of the uh, gun masters he encounters has like dead owls everywhere. And then there's like a real life lion walking around and it's like his or and then one of the other gun masters has rabbits, like hundreds of rabbits just all around him. But then you see like a bunch of these rabbits actually like dying and like just getting like stomped on. And uh, like you, you see them getting killed and then you see birds getting killed and you're just like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, and then in like the intro, there's a bunch of donkeys and horses that are killed and uh, they look like they're gutted. And I know what people are going to say. Oh, that's not real. It's like, well, those organs are pretty bloated. I've seen a lot of dead, large animals. I'm pretty sure that's what it really looks like. Uh, so you have that. And that's kind of a bummer. But uh, now that I have that out of the way, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first half hour is the father and son story. And that's really cool. It's kind of like uh, a lone wolf and cub meets a spaghetti Western. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, and so they're walking around and, uh, it's our, our boy Yodorowski is the lead here. Uh, and he, uh, he's playing Rafi from the league, uh, as a cowboy is, uh, what I would describe him as. So they're walking around and then they encounter like they're writing like around. They, they're riding around yet yeah, on some horses and then they encounter the like gang that's killing all the yeah. towns and then he takes over and then he takes the woman and then the woman's like let's get out of this shit or let's bail and he's like all right so he just drops his kid off with some monks he's like all right go uh go do some stuff i'll be uh, I'll, i won't be back so he leaves with this woman and the woman's like you gotta be the best you gotta be the best it's very nacho libre style where it's like being the no- numero uno jerry yep. You know what I mean? So it's like there's four gun masters and then it turns in like so now it's a manga anime where it's like this gunslinger looking for the four uh, like masters out in the desert. Mm-hmm. And they're all like different. There's the blind guy who has the uh, the the helpers, one who has no arms and one who has no legs, their team. You have like the Russian guy who is the brute. You have the really peaceful guy who's with all the rabbits and then, um, fuck, I don't remember the fourth one. But after he gets the fourth one, uh, like, they cheat their way throughout. And then uh, he gets, like, cursed, kind of. Or, like, not a literal curse, but, like, things don't end up the way he is. And now he's a peasant. And he's traveling with this uh, this dwarf woman. And they're, like, beggars now. They're, like, circus. Or, like, not, yeah. like, uh, and, they're, and, like, bus- and, huskers. And, 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 this, and this lead is also played by Jodorowsky. Yes, exactly. So then it turns into that, and then that's the rest of the movie. And he shaves his uh, head and eyebrows as, as this peasant man. Yes, he does. Um, so again, like, so for both of these, there's lots of, like, his. he's got lots of really cool imagery, and uh, I think he's 
like like the dude's an artist for for sure but i think it's a guy who would have i don't know if like just like stationary static art would have worked better for him like it's it's really unique to see movies like this because they don't really feel like movies if that makes sense does that make sense Jared? they don't really feel like movies they have like such such like a wandering like tone and like even just like what's happening like El Topo changes course like three times throughout the movie so you're kind of always just like what's going on well, these are like I mean particularly like El Topo and then even like Holy Mountain like they're these are art films like they're they're art house yeah, cinema with like, sure. but, but there's like genre trappings which kind of is like why they're crossover films because instead mm-hmm. of just like straight up abstraction that they're like okay here are these things like I said like I threw out it's kind of like Lone Wolf and Cub and uh, like a spaghetti western but but not like it's like more far more grotesque and strange than those films kind of would be and uh yeah so they're but they're, they're it's like recognizable kind of as a western but then he's doing mm-hmm. a whole lot a whole lot more and that's why it became such a like el topo was like a favorite of midnight screenings like it Eraserhead, and pink flamingos are kind of the poster child of like midnight cinema on 42nd street in new york people are mm-hmm. just going to see all these movies to trip balls and be like blown away far out man far out man yeah in the 70s yes. you know yeah yeah so like el topo's uh i like all the western stuff and like the intro i think the first half hour is really good mm-hmm. real good uh and then santa sangri is it's pretty cool too uh it does have its own like pitfalls too where there's like certain things that i don't think entirely land but there's also other really like santa sangri has really cool stuff like that that gigantic lady uh, wrestler who's just like that that huge woman that he like dates and she comes back to his like underground lair. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, Yodorowsky, I don't know, man. I don't think I'll watch any more of his movies. I think these were the only three that I warranted watching. And I'll watch Yodorowsky's Dune, but uh, I think I can safely say now that um, you did. It. I don't think. Yeah, I he's, did it. And, he's off your uh, bucket list. He's off the list, and I don't think I would have wanted a Yodorowsky Dune. Like, would it have been cool? Yeah, sure. But I don't think, I don't know, it would have, uh, it would have been wild, man. It would have been, yeah, it would have been uh, not what people now think it would be, because it's like, have you seen his movies? Have you read yeah. his comics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll report back on Dune next week, but uh, I'm going to tell you about a book real quick. I don't care, because it's going to be a movie, Jarrett. Okay. So the new effort from Paul Tremblay, The Cabin at the End of the World. I talked about Headful Ghosts when I read it, and then that's going to be a movie now by our close personal friend, Oz Perkins. So uh, I this this new book, Cabin at the End of the Worlds, I guarantee it'll be a movie within the next couple of years, like probably a Netflix original. Uh, it plays out more like a screenplay than it does even a book. Do you know what the premise of this thing is? Because it, it was like it won a bunch of horror awards for like best horror and all that. Fresh my memory. So there's a cabin. There are uh, these two guys that are married and they have an, uh, an adopted daughter who has a hair lip. And they're at this cabin on a lake. And then one day four people walk up to the cabin. They're wearing like all wearing the same white dress shirt buttoned all the way up and like red pants or something like that. And they all have these like stick weapons. And they come into the house and uh, they have an ultimatum for these people. And it's basically uh, you have to decide to kill someone or the world is going to end. 
And the way it works is every couple hours that they don't decide, they have to kill one of uh, one in their own group. So of the four people who come, after a couple hours that they're there, they're like, oh, you're not going to do it. So we have to offer a sacrifice to see if it works. And then they kill one of the other four. And then they turn on the news to see if it works or not. Pretty hot idea, hey, Jared? Scintillating. Scintillating. So I think this thing plays out a lot more like a movie. Uh, I found this book equally frustrating as A Head Full of Ghosts um, because of its contrived conventions where it's stuff like the group shows up and this whole book is like uh, a look at um, like faith. It's like because these people are like God gave us a message and it's like ooh did he really? And then it's like oh we don't believe you but then they turn on the news and it's like earthquakes just sunk California and planes are flying falling out of the sky and then it's like oh boy what are you going to believe? So yep. it's like that. But like what I meant by the contrived conventions, it's they're like talking to these people, but then they're also like they'll be like, why are you here? And it's like, we can't tell you. You just have to have your own faith in this. And I was like, man, that's such bullshit. Uh, even in like the ideas of this world where it's just like, well, you, to have faith is to know without seeing. Like, I think that's what he's trying to say. But at the same time, it's like. It, it doesn't play off good in the story because there's certain like there was whole pages I was just flipping just like glancing at because it's just people being like what the fuck man oh what man what the fuck what are you doing is like we can't tell you oh man what the fuck and it's like that for pages and I was just like Ugh. I was like this isn't what I want to read. So I, I only bring it up because I know you like horror and uh, it'll I guarantee it'll be a movie within like the next yes. five years. Of course it will. So it wasn't uh, wasn't too hot, dear it. Oh. But anyways, I mean, I've talked for a while. Do you want to talk about some stuff? Sure. Okay. Um, I watched a couple World War II-y type of movies. but Anything uh, good? Uh, well, I watched one that you actually watched before me. And that's what? Cross of Iron. Ooh, baby. I've seen Cross of Iron. Yeah, I, I had never seen it. I don't know why. I just uh, had put it off for ages. So this is Sam Peckinpah with James mm -hmm. Coburn making mm -hmm. his, like, strange, like, movie from the the Nazis' perspective. Uh, oh! <laughs> so this is Ooh, a movie about, about, like, the German soldiers uh, on the yeah. Eastern Front. Uh, things are going badly, and they're now kind of on the retreat, kind of just holding back the uh, the Russian forces as they come storming in, just murdering and killing away. But, uh, yeah, so James Coburn plays the lead uh, German soldier who's a good guy, who's there for the soldiers. Oh. Yeah, that's all he's trying to be. Like, he doesn't give a shit. He's about protecting the boys, but he's not, like, irrational. He's not like, hey, someone got blown up. Are you sure they were dead? He's like, no, they're dead. It's like, why, why did you go check? He's like, because I had to get everyone else out. Um, his, uh, he's got a new commander, a, uh, a Prussian man who uh, is there all Prussian. about. Yes, he's all about the glory and uh, the respect as he's part of the upper crust of society. But he's there. Mm -hmm. He wants that Iron Cross. And uh, right, pretty well like right off the bat of the movie, James Coburn gets the Iron Cross for bravery because he's, mm -hmm. he's a good dude. And, mm -hmm. and uh, his, his, his boss is like, hey, can you sign this piece of paper that says that I, like, led this charge and uh, that I should get the Iron Cross? And he's like, 
no. <laughs> like, like, why, why do you want this so bad? He's like, well, I want to go, mm-hmm. I want to go back and show my family that I earned this. Like, I have to do it. It's like, wow, you uh, really have your priorities all messed up here, my friend. And so, Buddy's now got a chip on his shoulder and mm-hmm. really has it out for him. And so, all these opportunities present themselves to be like, well, they just didn't make it back. They got killed by the enemy because we just didn't tell them to retreat in time. It's just like it becomes almost ridiculous the levels at which like. Uh, the positions of authority are abused and like, it's almost like comical, but this, this, this movie also uh, is rich with irony. With what? Irony. Jared, also. I think you're above puns, man. <laughs> so this movie uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. It is very brown and green. Uh, I don't know if like the, what do you mean literally literally it yeah it's got this weird tone to it that I was like what is up with this like the the cult the 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 film stock changes kind of you can see there's bits where you know that either like Peck and Paul is like running through these trenches himself with like a 16 millimeter camera and they're intersplicing that with like the 35 stuff um, and also you can you know that like Peck and Paul is kind of like in his like waning days of talent and like probably mm-hmm. keeping his shit together he's just probably like a drunken mess and he's like directing this like ridiculously complex like action sequences over sequences where people are just like left and right exploding getting shot and you're like man like this is quite the undertaking to like do this type of film and the way he edits stuff it's always so like intense and uh uh seemingly haphazard but there's a real rhythm to Mm it like you're you're very disoriented while watching his movies uh and that's the way he wants the audience to be kept i get things to kind of be like off kilter as far as just like uh to make it feel like you're there and that it's not a comfortable experience. He wants you to feel like war is hell. So Cross of Iron, I think, mm. accomplishes that. Uh, the end of this movie, I think, has an uh, amazing conclusion of just uh, James Coburn laughing. Uh, and, just, and and the last line is just like, after this laughing over the uh, end credits, just, oh, shit. And you're like, oh, that was that was just James Coburn. <laughs> like, the, the, mm-hmm. like I've seen like on Wikipedia, like it actually has it in the plot synopsis, like the character, something's bad happened to him in the story. I'm like, no, no, that that's just James Coburn, like leaving in that like <laughs> that laugh reading in it. It's it's that type uh-huh. of movie, just like footage of like, hey, here's some footage from Vietnam. <laughs> just like here's some contemporary shit saying that nothing's gotten better, man. <laughs> We're in hell, man. But do you think that anything's gotten better, Jared? Ah, uh, then then World War Two. Just any war, really? Any war? Nah, life's pretty. The world's horrible. By Is and it? large, yeah. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, speaking of grim and dark things, yeah, Cross of Iron's awesome. Did you? Did you like that Cross of Iron too? Right? Yeah, it was good stuff. I like Cross of Iron. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think you probably talked about it better than I could. Okay. Well, uh-huh. RJ, on the flip side of things, I watched a geeky piece of shit thing for some reason. Ultra, <sighs> Ultramarines, a Warhammer 40K movie. So Is this, is this, is this worth it? No. Nah, I don't mean talking about it on the podcast. I just want to talk about it because like no one's ever life. seen this. Well, I don't in know. In your life, is this worth it? I've been just thinking about the Warhammer universe, if people aren't familiar. Uh, this is uh-huh. essentially, it's a tabletop game that uh, Games Workshop does. This is one of their branches of it. My interest is more in the fantasy stuff overall, but the 40K world has some cool looking dudes in it, cool armies. 
this is a movie <laughs> that uh, I guess Games Workshop produced or co-produced to get their product over back in 2010. And boy, oh boy, um, last week we were talking about like really top quality CGI and uh, effect computer uh, graphics. This is not that movie at all. This is what on, kind of movie is it? This is like doing reboot style graphics in you mean like the cartoon reboot yeah but it's like reboots uh effects are of amazing of the mid 90s right so there you you get what you get this Mm. is 2010 and it looks exactly like that still did you know that reboot is was unanimously voted number one among creeps fans but it was this like a reddit thing this is number this is an rj thing I'm just saying that uh, reboot is an awake is a wicked show. You should watch reboot. Mm. You know uh, hexadecimal. Yep. You know megabyte. Yes, I do. You know frisket. Vaguely. You remember Bob? Yep. Yeah, Bob was cool. Remember though, like after season two where they did the yep. time jump. Yep. And then uh, Enzo, Enzo came out. And he had like Jack. a scar and he was just like, he's like, things have changed. And you're like, holy shit, reboot. Yeah. You can, you can talk to a uh, friend of the show, Lawrence, all about reboots. Friend of the show, Lawrence, friend of the show, Ryan, we'll have a, a three-way episode. It'll be a Patreon goal one day yeah, where uh, reboot. us three can just talk about reboot nice. and uh, how good it was. Well, I'm, I'm positive reboot's a lot better than this ultramarine warhammer I agree 40K with that piece too. of shit yeah it sucks it's so bad uh I, it's, it's kind of striking actually um how poorly made this thing is i mean it's whatever i mean they bad resources and people trying hard but they just miss miss the mark by quite a bit so are you happy with your decisions no i got it out of the way it's 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 another mm. uh check in the letterbox diary for the year you know small victories okay. um this is a creep pick from Oliver Granger, who's oh, listening right now. I'm talking in your ears, Oliver. And oh, he dear. recommended that you and I watch, and you ignored him because you're a bad person. Uh, yeah, okay. Kaiju Bunraku. And uh, what does that mean, Europe? I don't know. It's about Kaiju and whatever Bunraku is. So this is on the Criterion channel. This is a short film. Okay. And I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of this because in some ways it reminds me of like, it felt like at times a parody of the Criterion collection. <laughs> oh. Because like of all things that this film, in my mind, it references is the film Double Suicide. Everyone's favorite Criterion collection film. Oh, wasn't that that um, the end game of the Criterion creeps? Double Suicide? Ours? Yeah. Well, yes. but then there's also the film before we got there, um, which involved puppets, men in black using puppets, and Japanese, the Japanese music, um, about Godzilla attacking, but then it's also presented as Mm -hmm. like this uh, artistic endeavor. Artisanal endeavor? Artisanal, yes. Um, I I don't know. This thing was 14 minutes long, and it felt like an hour and a half somehow. Well, uh, maybe I'll watch this thing and uh, give a real opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe, don't know I'll, or... maybe I'll have to come in here to uh, see what's say what's really going on. Or maybe he wanted you to watch it because he had the same he, opinion you did. He gave this five stars. He loved it. Oh, well, maybe I'll watch it and uh, I'll see for myself. Because you have been known to be wildly wrong about everything. 
that's that's not true. Uh, oh. So in light of the movies that we watched this week, after watching that Lee Marvin, I watched Point Blank, which I had not seen in a very long time. And this is a movie that I forgot I put on a list of uh, movies to make RJ a man. And uh, you never got around to watching Point Blank. Wait a minute. Is that still a list? Yeah, it's still a list. I might have it on private now, but uh, it was a list, and you never saw it. Well, whose fault is that, then? Yours. Well, I mean, where do I get these movies? From me? Because I didn't recommend a single movie I didn't own. Well, there you go. There you go. So Point Blank, RJ. It's it's based on one of those Parker novels. Gross Point Blank? No. The John Cusack movie? No. Okay. This, this, this here movie, RJ, because we're getting there. This is mm-hmm. a movie that, uh, based on that Richard Stark, he wrote that Parker, those Parkers. This is uh, one of those stories. But RJ, Kay. Point Blank was later remade into a, another movie Kay. called Payback, starring Mel Gibson. Oh. My. Oh, God. Are you for real? I am for real. Why didn't you tell me that before? Because I told you this. and You don't care because you don't well, listen to me. Well, why didn't you give me this, Gross this, Point Blank? <laughs> gross Point Blank. Not that movie. <laughs> for, John, if, how can you want to confuse John Cusack <laughs> with Lee Marvin? This is very upsetting. So Point Blank is directed by mm-hmm. John Borman. And this film really typifies, RJ, the new Hollywood vibe. It's a movie like Midnight Cowboy. Um, like medium I haven't cool. seen that either. Uh, it's yeah, it's all about the editing, the storytelling, the use of sound. It's a very different movie than Payback, but both movies are pretty fantastic. At least last time I watched Payback, really? which is now well, yeah, Payback. It's, it's on my, do- it's on the docket for uh, immediate consumption. But yeah, Point Blank, I hadn't seen forever. Um, the first time I ever saw it, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. The mm-hmm. second time I watched it. I wasn't maybe in the right mood. I was kind of like, oh, this movie's not so great. But watching it now, like years and years after that, I'm like, man, this movie's so good. So I don't know. It's reawake. It? Yeah. Yeah. This movie. Well, it's, I mean, you've seen Payback. It's Payback, but it's more art house Payback. <laughs> you've seen Payback. It's Payback. <laughs> a, man, I, uh... a, man, a man is wronged by his best friend and by, I... and by his lady. And he wants his, the money he is owed, and he is, goes through steps to retrieve his money. Is this the Jared Duncan biopic? Maybe. Is it? Jared? Is, in one movie, in this, he plays Walker, and in Payback, it's Parker. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Is it? And, and, of course, we're talking about uh, James Coburn. I mean, James Coburn. What, back. again? Yeah. Okay, so here's... Well, James Coburn's in Maverick, too, uh, though, isn't he? Yes. I'm pretty sure he is. I don't know. Is he I, not the old gambler? I know he... Uh, gambler? He, I know he did those videos about uh, uh, winning against the one-armed bandit. Do you know Gambler? I remember Gambler. Yeah. Oh. Georgia, you, you you just need to be watching Point Blank right away, as does anyone else who hasn't watched it. Uh, well, fucking send it my way, man. I'll I, give it a I've watch. Got, I've got that disc. It'll come. It'll come with uh, Dancer in the Dark, and RJ. So I follow. So talking about this new Hollywood business, there's this one movie that kind of kicked off. This is a movie. So I'm kind of 
talking nonsense here. New Hollywood, that was kind of a mm-hmm. shorthand for when your French New Wave and all your like European art house cinema is getting mm-hmm. in like its influence is being felt in studio films who are trying to like dig out of the slump that they're in, making these big budget movies that are bloated and nobody wants to see anymore. Young filmmakers, young actors, they're all like, hey, Let's do something more of the European flavor, a little bit smarter, you know. Audiences are getting a little bit uh, smart to our bullshit. So they started experimenting, making movies like A Point Blank, making movies like Bonnie and Clyde. Well, Mm. the first movie that kicked this all off uh, officially, uh, according to textbooks, is Mickey One, directed by Arthur Penn, who directed Bonnie and Clyde, starring uh, Mickey Rooney? No, no. He's he's old and playing Chinaman. Uh, okay. Warren Beatty, young Warren Beatty, and Mickey One. Mickey One, RJ, is mm-hmm. like a facsimile of a Godard movie. Uh, it's it's, it's, a it's what? A Godard. No, a what of a Godard movie? A facsimile. Can you de- can you define <laughs> that word, Jarrett? Define it. Um, an approximation, perhaps a forgery. Oh. I don't know. Uh, Fancy footwork you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Fancy footwork, a, 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 a my fake man. Simulation. I don't know. So Mickey, okay. Mickey won. Um, this movie, I remember seeing like clips of way back when I watched like Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, and people would talk about Mickey One being like, yeah, it was the first example of American movies using French New Wave editing, and like the guy they got like the cinematographer for like international movies like El Jose Balthazar and stuff like that. Like they were like trying to make this feel legit and holy mm-hmm. shit. I should have listened to Sam Sanchez is two star review. Cause this movie is just, ugh. is it an RJ pick? No. Well, is yeah. Shit if, pick? If, if I want, to, if I want to make you mad, it's an RJ pick. Mm-hmm. This movie's point, like absolutely like worthless, um, is of historical importance, and that's about it. Of like, oh yeah, it was the first movie that really officially tried doing these things in a studio kind of setting, and yeah, it doesn't work. Um, Warren Beatty, he plays a stand-up comedian, and uh, he's mm-hmm. he's he's done. He's run afoul of the mob, and he's on the run, and it's just a, like I was doing. It, at no point was I ever interested in anything it was doing, and I was just like aware that it was trying to do these like Godard things but mm-hmm. I mean if you want to see that just watch uh, the the short film Bottle Rocket Wes Anderson does it so much better than this does in the hour and a half it goes are you fucking serious Jarrett did you know Jarrett that James Colborn Colborn was in the Nutty Professor really it's true Wild. it's true did you know that James Colborn was in Sister Act 2 back in the habit I'm blown away. Uh, so your making RJ a man list is still live. Nice. I, I have seen nine of the 22. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Jarrett, but Wake and Fright is on this list. And yes. I feel like we've already established that this is a movie that I should not, in fact, wow. watch. That's, that's, I mean, Oliver, I mean, he's telling us to watch Kaiju Bunraku. I mean, what is what does he really know? Well, I don't know, Jarrett. I don't know. But uh, my average rating of these Jarrett picks are two out of five. No, I'm just kidding. We got Chateau's Land, one of the first films ever talked about on the podcast. Yeah, Emperor of the North, Hard Times, mm-hmm. Ooh, Baby, ah. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, which you talked about <laughs> earlier. This very day, just this very day. So there you go. Yep, it's all coming up, Millhouse. Goddamn right it is. Speaking of Millhouse, what's yep. in the news? R.I.P. Rip Torn. 
Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, he, he's like only in one Criterion movie, I think. Man Who Fell to Earth? That's it. I thought, yeah, but you know what? The Criterion Spine 1000 is going to be, right? The Larry Sanders show? No, no, no. I got inside information. Oh. It's going to be Freddy Got Fingered <laughs> with Tom Green, and that also stars Rip Torn. It not only will it be Spine 1000, but they're just they're going to screw up the spine numbering on that one. And it's just going to be Spine 1 Sausage? Yep. And it'll make people so mad. It'll so, just say so a shushy. Mad. And then that'll be the end of the collection. A shushy. And they'll say goodnight. Good night. That's a wrap. We did it. We did it. I was going to watch Payday the other night. Uh, you should have. saw that. Because uh, Payday is awesome. And also fits into this uh, this new Hollywood thing. I'm all about that right now, RJ. I, like, I forgot how much I... I was going back over the list of those movies. What do you mean new Hollywood? I know you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, that thing. Those movies, I, I vibe with those movies. They're very exciting and interesting. Even when they're mm-hmm. like just okay. Like watching hey, Five you, Easy Pieces again. I haven't seen that movie forever. I don't know. That's I, I, a I got, I got, creep, I Jared. I know, but I could always. I've seen that movie a couple times before. It'd be like watching it a fourth time if I watched it now later on. It's hey, all good. It's all good, you know. Did you know Rip Torn is in uh, the hit movie Welcome to Mooseport, final film of Gene Hackman? Mm, Rip Torn's not, also in Senseless, which is a, a pretty good show. Hmm. I like Senseless. Have you seen Senseless? Nope. It's pretty good, man. Pretty real good. He's also in a Disney movie called Balloon Farm. I'm going to add that to my watch, <laughs> to my watch list. Shut up. It sounds pretty... What, you're not going to watch Balloon I, I, Farm I with they, me? I wish Letterboxd would charge people like a nickel for every time they added something to their watch list. Good. Fucking bring it on, baby. Cut, what about cut, Pork cut, Chop cut, Hill? Cut down on these people with their thousand plus movies in their watch list it's like come on what is this? i don't give a shit i'm gonna what? add balloon farm to it you you do you own balloon farm can i, I borrow sure your copy sure, of sure. balloon do you, farm? Do you, rj do you have any news uh yeah my news is that uh ripped horn is in a movie called balloon farm i you know what i guarantee nobody knew that i guarantee no one knew that I, either he, he didn't know that either because he was hey. passed out in that bank do you remember how I was talking about John Candy, uh, his posters on Letterboxd, and how Canadian Bacon lined up with um, another movie, and it made him look like he was wearing a skirt? Somebody tweeted that the other day, and it like Criterion retweeted it, and it got like I don't know, sixty thousand retweets or something. And I was just like, hey, are they listening to the show? Did they steal my joke? Can they hear me? Are you out there? So anyways, Balloon Farm's 92 minutes, and it's about a drought-stricken farmland begins to grow mysterious but beautiful crop of balloons. My goodness. My goodness. I'm going to watch Balloon Farm. Are you in? So join us next week as we watch Balloon Farm. And after the break, we're going to go... Hang out for the first time with Bert On Lancaster. The balloon farm? And the balloon farm. Who? Balloon!
objections? Yeah. You touch me and you won't live till morning. You'll not meet them tomorrow. Aren't I sweet? Most of them turn out to be unhealthy. The farmer died from natural causes. The Swede and Blinky Franklin were both killed. You know who else was in the gang? You were. Reach for that and I'll kick your brains out. Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about The Killers from 1946 and The Killers from 1964, and for kicks, The Killers from 1955. Is wait, I'm confused. Is that not actually in the collection? Well, three movies count as one spine number, so it's. But the short film is actually well. There's there is also a uh, a telecast a TV movie version of this that's mm. not, does not have a letterbox entry, so it doesn't exist with okay. uh, Dean Stockwell, I guess. So we didn't watch that, but mm. that's neither here nor there. So anyways, mm-hmm. folks, The Killers. Um, it's a, it's an Ernest Hemingway short story, if you didn't know. Is it? It is. Uh, and actually a copy of it is on the Criterion DVD. Is it? It is. What, of the short story? Yeah. You on the DVD? What on. is it? Just a fucking like, yeah, text. screen of text? <laughs> yeah, and you read it and you go page by page through it, you know? Huh. Actually, you know, I remember there was uh, DVDs when I was younger that actually like had books and you would just click the thing to like move I mean, the page. The, the story itself is like maybe a th- like just over a thousand words. It's not particularly long. Yeah, it's long. not long. Did you, uh, did you read it? RJ? Yeah, you're goddamn right. I read it. Why? You, you I was reading about weird. that applesauce. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's pretty like, I would say the Tarkovsky one and then the intro in the 46. They're pretty much literal adaptations of that yeah. story, right? So we'll get to it. But the fatal flaw of the feature films of this is they're basing their idea on this like, intro, this piece of literature that is. Uh, an example of Hemingway's minimalist writing style, like peak, mm-hmm. some peak uh, terse, uh, to the point writing, where mm-hmm. it is. I mean, he even you could say overwrites compared to like a, a Cormac McCarthy uh, or even like some latter day James Elroy, where there's like they don't even necessarily tell you who's saying what they're saying. You just kind of mm-hmm. have to get into the rhythm of the last time he said was in reference to somebody and you just go, Oh, it's two people having a conversation. And there's like sometimes not even um, quotation marks to like designate whether or not they're actually saying words. So, so the killers, I mean, yeah. the short story, it actually like really treats you to like these sort of like uh, artifices of like, Oh, I understand who's saying what to who at all points. But mm-hmm. nowadays, Oh boy. We get into some like where uh, some some writing just looks like concrete poetry. 
concrete poetry. That's right. Throwing out, wow. the, big, the, throwing out the the big words, RJ. Big, wow. big words. So yeah, fine I, artisanal. So I had first read this short story back when I was taking like an English 1000 class in university, and uh, I was kind of like getting turned on to this Hemingway. And uh, I mentioned before I've uh, some some James Elroy, and I think that was like my first introduction to like that style of writing, and then being like, oh, this is like a literary thing with Hemingway, I guess would be an example of like a modernist doing this. And uh, some people it works for, and other people are like, he doesn't do enough. He doesn't really build up these characters well. <laughs> and I'm like, what for the Hemingway thing? Yeah, I've I've actually seen it. It's well, like, it's... well, I'm like, no, it's a short story. Um, and I'm like, I've read it, I've read it, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's what it is. It kind of reminds me of like film noir kind of film like mm-hmm. dialogue. It reminds me of um, the the shortness has like a quality of like Waiting for Godot, and you know. I've never needed a movie of waiting of waiting for Godot that like explains what happens when he showed up and what happens why is he late like that's kind of what the killers movies are is they're kind of they're asking questions that only goofs are asking or like screenwriters who had to like hey make a movie out of this chop chop Hemingway he's big <laughs> you know that Hemingway. He's big. Yeah. He's big right B- now. Big. He's a box big. office draw, boffo. And so, uh, we, so you wind up with the the a movie here and a a made for TV that wound up being a, a movie in theater later on, uh, or a template for a, a student film. It's definitely best suited. I mean, if you want to just do a straight adaptation as a student film, that's a practice mm-hmm. for a, an aspiring filmmaker like an Andre Tarkovsky. But we'll get there. We'll get there. First up, Ooh. we got The Killers, 1946, directed by Robert Siodmak. Siodmak? Sodmak? Mac Attack? <sighs> the tagline for this film, she's a match for any mobster. Two hitmen walk into a diner asking for a man called the Swede. When the killers <laughs> find the Swede, he's expecting them and doesn't put up a fight. Since the Swede had a life insurance policy, an investigator on a hunch de- uh, decides to look into the murder. As the Swede's past is laid bare, it comes to light that he was in love with a beautiful woman who may have ha- lured him into pulling off a bank robbery overseen by another man. <gasps> it's not a bank robbery. They robbed the hat factory. They they uh, they they robbed. That's the, a huge the, plot point in this. Thing. They they uh, robbed the bankroll. They rob the hat factory. I know. I took a screenshot. Thought it was ridiculous. Well, the payroll. You know, payroll is a lot of money. Gotta get all the, uh, I'm, the, I'm the, aware. the, the, I'm the aware. hat people get paid. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm aware. I just thought it was comical. So I watched this not too long ago for the very first time. I had this, uh, mm-hmm. the two movie DVD set, the big thick black DVD case from Criterion ages ago, bought it back when, cause I wanted that Lee Marvin in my life. And, uh, later on I was like, Oh, I, I want this Burt Lancaster in my life as well. And this is the, uh, feature film debut of one Burt Lancaster here, uh, mm-hmm. uh, displayed in full, beautiful black and white, that big strapping man. And uh, we have Ava Gardner to boot here. So mm-hmm. as I was kind of mentioning, um, th- the whole movie always kind of feels unnecessary to me because, again, <laughs> it's it's asking like – it's like you have this like pretty succinct story about mm-hmm. – it's like kind of like almost like a style piece of like these uh, 
gangsters. I mean, I guess he wrote this during Prohibition era uh, in this place called Summit in Illinois, uh, just outside of Chicago, because I guess that's where kind of like your Al Capone type gangsters, they all left Chicago when the, the, the heat was getting too much. And then they went to these smaller places on the edges to do their business. Uh, so this kind of like plays into that element. But here it's like, they're in Nowheresville. <laughs> like, it's just like some small town and there's no reference to the Chicago stuff necessarily. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole idea of like these two guys, these heavies show up, um, they they make wise, they tie up some people saying exactly what they're there to do, which is come and find and kill the Swede. And, mm-hmm. um, and then when the guy doesn't show up, they leave because they're just going to try again later. And then... Um, the Nick Adams character, he shows up at the Swede's house to t- warn him. And then Swede, Ole Anderson himself, uh, not Arn Anderson's brother. Uh, he's very like, yeah. Louie Anderson? Not Louie either. Uh, oh. He's just, oh, yeah, I know it's coming. That's fine. And it's kind of like more weird. Like it's, it's supposed to be an off-putting thing and this like thing about accepting death. And uh, it's, it's that's all it's kind of there. And at least in this mm-hmm. version – it does that part at the very beginning, but then they're like, well, how did it come to be? Cause like you actually see him get violently gunned down <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh yeah, this is uh, definitely the Hollywood movie version of this idea. And then the rest of the movie, I've heard some people throw out that it's like citizen came, uh, because, because uh, who the, threw out citizen came uh, when watching this movie? Well, that was, uh, film critic, professional film critic, uh, Mike D'Angelo. That guy's so full of shit. So yeah, every time you bring do, him do up, you know, he's got do, such a do you bad know why? take. He, yeah, this one I just like. Oh, I see because there's flashbacks. <laughs> there's lots and lots of mm. flashbacks. Like that's the thing. All these movies are flashbacks because if you're all your action is set with like your uh, protagonist, I guess being gunned down, everything has to take place before that happened. So you get all the all the stuff that you didn't necessarily know you needed, and then you're like, oh, did I actually need that? So a lot of the movie hangs on this important thing. Um, what can I say about this movie? It's really well photographed. Um, as far as noir stuff that I've seen, it's kind of just middle of the pack stuff. Um, even now, I'm like having a hard time recalling any details. Uh, Burt Lancaster doesn't really stand out to me. I've seen better with him. Um, I, I, I've seen better. I've seen better Lancaster. That mm-hmm. sweet smell of success doesn't get much better than that. Hmm. Um, Ava Gardner. I didn't really like think of her as like, oh, hey, that's Ava Gardner. Because she's like, oh, she's this like really beautiful brunette woman. <laughs> that's kind like of like, mean. yeah, like, like RJ. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the, the one thing that I guess they do that's like a technical... Uh, oh, that's kind of cool, is the bank robbery itself, which is kind of this one big kind of pull-away shot as it kind of reveals all this. And it's all done after the fact, like where there's like a voiceover narration. You don't get into it where there's mm-hmm. like, there's like, ah, you don't need that tension. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, there's always like payroll robberies in some movies. I think it's Pretty Poison is another one where it's like Anthony Perkins is robbing the payroll. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a thing. How how, how many other movies have a uh, hat factory robbings? Not. I don't know. Maybe just the one. How like how how many hats do you think this factory is putting out? Were they like bowlers? Were they fedoras? Uh, this is like 
the forties, so it's probably like just putting so no fedoras left and from right. The mall? Well, then you think about like wind. I mean, wind blowing away hats. That's like the best business for a hat hack factory oh. there is. Oh, so you're saying this takes place in Creepsville or uh not not Chicago. We're we're way windier than Chicago. That windy city stuff is uh, all horse shit. Horseshit. Horseshit. Um the investigator doing the investigation stuff with the insurance. It's very, uh, I guess a trope of a lot of these, uh, noir pictures too. It's like double indemnity, I guess is the most iconic one where Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, yep, that's that is the reason why there's a man investigating these things and going to these great questions, even though it's like, he's going well beyond, uh, his purview, I believe, uh, going to the depths that he does for like this, for this, this amount of money. It's like, what is it? Five thousand dollars. I guess that's a, that's a or two thousand. That's a lot of money. I guess in nineteen forty six to a complete stranger. It's like what, think, what's the angle? I think that's like the cru- uh, crux to this whole like this entire movie is you're watching it and you're like, is that guy an insurance inju- adjuster? Essentially. Why you're like, why is he acting it like a private detective? And is like, well, he just got really interested in the case. You know how sometimes people get like really into their work, and it's like I guess, <laughs> but it's like this guy is really going well, to extremes okay, so here. The, well, they're, they're, okay, so there is insurance adjusters, but there also is like private investigators that insurance companies hire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just the way this guy presents himself like all the time. He's like, like I'm, in, in, I'm in insurance, like Dougie. Ooh, Mr. Jackpot. Yeah. Ooh, baby. But he was. He was connecting stuff no one else could even mm-hmm. see. Do you know what I mean, Jared? That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a that was the one thing that really took me out of it. I was just like, I was like, who's this insurance guy? Even if he is a private detective, why, why, why I was like, why, why does this guy give to, a shit? Why are people talking to this guy? Why Why is anyone talking to him? Where, where's his like, warrant? <laughs> well, even like the ex cop, he's like, yeah, I was on the force. Yeah, I uh, I was on the force. I'm a cop. He's like, you were running a little investigation, eh? Uh, maybe I'm going to take him on, relive glory days. Because <laughs> we used to be friends back in the old days when he was just yeah. a, a bum getting beat up in the boxing ring. Another another great trope mm-hmm. of uh, noir is uh, boxers. And then there's mm-hmm. the, the girl that he leaves behind because the, uh, the dark-haired femme fatale comes along and uh, strings him along. I, I will say. He, take, he takes I, the fall for her. I don't want to like play my hand too early but i do think the failed boxer is an infinitely more interesting backstory than the failed race car driver <laughs> but i mean that's yeah. just my own personal preference i think sure i, I think boxing is more entertaining than driving especially I guess. when he's just getting beat up just hammered away in this and like, yeah in his, and i guess like yeah in the original short story he was a boxer yeah so makes more sense i felt like i felt like this one I didn't realize that uh, I read the short story after I watched this one just by accident. Um, not by accident. I just I forgot that there was a short story. And then I watched it after I watched this one. And I was like, oh, this one kind of makes more sense with uh, this movie as opposed to the other movie. But I guess like both movies just make up the story. Yes. Yeah. Right, Jared? They just make up that story? Yeah, they fill in the fill in those the ice like I said, they answer the questions you didn't ask. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about the killers nineteen forty six. Yeah. What what else do you gotta say about the killers nineteen forty six, Jarrett? That's honestly That's it. That's about it, I think. Yeah, I'll take over from here. Yep. Okay, I think this movie is shot real nice. Yep. 
Uh, that intro with the silhouettes walking to the diner is supreme. It is ace. It looks so, so pretty. Uh, I think that they really fucking fly through that diner scene in this mm-hmm. where they like there's no bullshit in this version of the movie where it's just like whew. and I don't know if it's better if that's better or worse I'm just stating it as a objective fact they really fly through that thing and I will say that uh, at this point uh, our embalm count is at zero true <laughs> very very true uh, so yeah there's no end bombs there's no Lethal Weapon 5 blackface uh, scenes oh, in this one, oh, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll, you'll get there. So, yeah, they, they fly through that intro real quick. And I think that this one, I do find the flashback things a little bit tired, tiresome. Too, yeah, there's way too many. And they're really, yeah. really long. And you're like, wait, they told that entire story? And like, how long? Like, they've just been standing around t- telling this whole yeah, goddamn well, thing for, <laughs> for yeah, yeah, like the first time it happens when they talk to the mechanic who is yeah. like his boxing buddy, and then it's like it's like thirty minutes, and then it cuts back to him, and you're like, oh shit, I forgot this guy was here, and I I understand it as like a mechanical story element where yeah. it's like you all you get these different perspectives and these different stories, but it's all but one it does, story. But it's all one story and it would almost like I it's it's one of those weird things where it's it's like it is cool to have that cold open and then go back to it. But you almost don't need all these all these like personal interviews with these people like giving their two cents like that's the entire movie. That's the whole premise of this thing. But like you don't really need that if you just had the opening and then it was just like one guy telling the story. I think that would be better because it wouldn't be as interrupted every time you shift to new people and you're just you would just be like Ugh. i guess like the whole i mean i guess the whole thing is like because they're adapting this short story and it's like well the yeah. only way to really introduce these characters the killers who mm-hmm. they are just afterthoughts at the end of the movie where you have this like stupid shootout yeah <laughs> it's just like oh man it's that's the, i just realized i was confusing the two movies the mechanic is in the other yeah killers. i was gonna say because yeah he works at the gas station yeah, then, I, yeah i i'm confused but like so like that uh like that um story by the other mechanic i actually thought played out nice i was like yeah that's a nice little short one but then you get another one where you, you, you get the the landlord the landlady talking about when she yeah. walked in and he was like talking about throwing himself out the window yeah, Jarrett style. Yeah. Yeah. So you have those, and those are all fine. Uh, I think this movie has all the – it checks all the newer boxes as New, far as I'm newer. concerned. Newer. Uh, I I would never proclaim that I am uh, an expert in these newers, but uh, <laughs> I feel like it – like it's yeah. it's got all the things like even the way like the way people talk the way people move through like like scenes and like through sets like i don't i that sounds weird because i i don't really have a description for that but like just the way people talk as they walk through the scenes it's just like yeah this has that noir film or vibe and it's like what is that i don't know just watch this and then you'll know what i'm i'm talking about uh so you have like all that shit which is <laughs> <laughs> which is good enough, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's good enough. And I think, I do think that like the setup with the backstory that they create for him, where 
like his tensions with these other people, I do think makes it makes sense to a point. Like he he's a little bit hot in that poker game, and it comes out of nowhere. And then even that one guy's like, he shouldn't have hit you. That's a weird thing he did. He shouldn't have hit you. But then that cuts to the flashback of this dying man on the bed, and he's like, shouldn't have hit him. Shouldn't have hit him. He shouldn't have hit him. Shouldn't have hit him. And you're watching this as a movie, and you're just like, what? You're like, how did those people get? that whole story out of this like trembling man on a bed who's just like shouldn't hit him should have hit him should have hit him you like i don't know maybe that was just me jared were you did did you think that when you watch that you're like wait a minute did that guy just tell a whole coherent story <laughs> even though he's just like <laughs> you know <laughs> movie magic you, you, you know uh, what did you think of dum 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 <laughs> yeah isn't that the guy's name in this? Dum Dum? <sighs> the guy, yeah, it's Dum Dum. When the insurance adjuster goes to his house, yeah. and then uh, Dum Dum turns the table, and he's like, don't go outside, there's cops out there. That guy's name's Dum Dum, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, so what do you think of Dum Dum? No real thoughts one way or another. Okay, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. There's a lot of those kinds of names in this thing, mm-hmm. like Dum Dum. Uh, Pretty Boy George, uh, George the Animal Steel, you wish. Uh, George Costanza. Uh, yeah, so uh, the killers. So, yeah. Uh, in between <laughs> uh, these killers movies, we have a, a Russian short film, a student film uh, with such uh, personnel as Andrei Tarkovsky, everyone's <gasps> favorite Criterion alum. And his, <laughs> his first little uh, dilly-dally in making movies when he was a young man, The Killers, mm-hmm. 1955. Uh, the description from Letterboxd. The Killers is a 1956 student film by the Soviet and Russian film director Andrei Tarkovsky and his fellow students Marika Beku and Alexander Gordon. The film is based on the short story The Killers by Ernest Hemingway, written in 1927. It was Tarkovsky's first film produced when he was a student at the State Institute of Cinematography. Hell of a description of this plot. Um, uh. So this is... Uh, just factually the most accurate adaptation of the short story as it is just the short story mm-hmm. uh, up for debate though is is it good uh, so this is mm-hmm. uh, in my original review of this when I watched it a few years ago I was like yep this feels exactly like a student film where mm-hmm. when you're in your early 20s you have access to other people who are in their early 20s who do not look like lived-in 40-, 50-year-old men who are paid killers. Uh, but th- don't let that stop you. Just throw a trench coat, a fedora on them, get them to talk wise, like I'm real tough talking about eggs, and you're talking about you're a real bright guy. You're a real bright guy. <laughs> and uh, that's, boom, movie magic. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait a minute. This story that we're adapting, it's an American film, and there's a black cook in this story. A what, hmm. Jarrett? A black cook, an African-American oh. man. How do they refer to this guy? Well, RJ, uh, like the short story, um, there's certain N-words that are deployed. Now, I will say that mm. I'm not sure exactly what the, the actual count is here in the Tarkovsky film, but it is nowhere it's near like the... 12. It, uh, is it that many in the, in the no, actual film? No, it's like maybe six in, or seven. In the book, though... In the short story, boy, oh, boy, it's like real like, huh, that's uncomfortable. Um, But anyway, in Russia, there seemed to have been a shortage of black people to use. So what do you do? 
you get your friend to black up and he gets to play the cook and it's the cock did you just say the cook oh okay hey jared in uh, that hit film capes did you have any people black up for uh for that movie i can say no i did not have oh. anyone black up in my film I, I, that was my so you that passed was, the test that, that was my that exactly i wonder if uh tarkovsky was like he showed it and he went oh i'm sorry <laughs> everything was going great then you failed oh i shouldn't do that right it's like yeah you could have picked like any you could have just done something else but you wanted to keep it for accuracy <laughs> It's 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 um, it, I don't know. Uh, from from a from a uh, tell me posi- more from a position of privilege. It's kind of hilarious because it's like holy shit, <laughs> like it's, yeah. you just don't expect it. And there it is, uh, and it's like so badly applied. Cause you can see like the whiteness under like the neck where they put it, and like behind the ears they miss, mm-hmm. and it's like so pointless. Like you barely see the guy, and but no, we want this profile shot, like this three quarter view from behind of him just like coming in and going, uh huh, yep, and then he gets tied up in the back, and that's it. It's uh very pretty good, eh? Yeah, it's like oh. Andre, but you know, I, I guess he never does it again that I know of, unless uh, there's like elements of like the mirror Ooh, that wow. I'm not aware of or stalker. But wow. um, so this this though, though like okay, from a technical standpoint, it's like it is black and white. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it, it, it's a I mean, if you were having to pick a short story to tackle and you have like limited resources, this is a pretty good one to use because you mm-hmm. don't really need too much. You just need some bodies. But uh, there's nothing really interesting in the telling. There's like the, the shots are just like, hey, these are guys sitting at a counter in a room. And then there's a bit in the kitchen. And then there's like the bedroom. And that's about it. It is to the point, just like Hemingway's prose. But mm-hmm. uh, nothing like to merit its existence. It's just there. I I don't know. It's inoffensive, but it is. Unless you're watching these movies, there's or a really interesting Tarkovsky. There's not much there to recommend uh, from like a technical standpoint or filmmaking standpoint. Just like you, yeah. What What are your thoughts uh, here? Um, I feel like everyone else is a little harder on it than I am. I watched it and I was like, "It's fine." Yeah. It's like I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the few things I will say are. It's twenty minutes uh, long. It's twenty minutes long. I actually liked the uh, the slow, the slow play of the um, like the whole scene a lot better in this. It like it had room to breathe. Or it's like I was saying in the first movie, they fucking run through that thing and it's I pun- counted. It's, it's about ten minutes. Yeah, and then this one is twenty minutes. So yes. it's that one like the movie goes through it in half the time, and then this. It kind of like I can see that going either way with someone being like, oh, well, it just fucking drags it out. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm usually that guy who says that. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of liked the build because I thought it it made the, the scene a little bit more tense because there is like, oh, look at this bright boy. Oh, a bright boy. You go to the movies. You should go to the movies. You're a bright boy. You're going to like it, the movies. I'll have an egg and ham. And then you're like, okay. And it just like, it just keeps going. And there's no, um, it's not fast enough for things to just kind of like happen. And then you to be like, whoa, afterwards, it, it just builds to it where you're just like, ah, uh, uh, these guys, these are not my guys. That's what you're saying while you're watching this. And you're like, ugh. uh, and then I, 
I did like the really goofy student film cuts to where it's like them talking and then it just cuts to them being like tied to chairs and you're like, whoa, edgy, man. So that's cool. Uh, My one note of this was that there's something off-putting about eating with gloves. So both of those guys eat with their gloves Don't want to leave no fingerprints. I know, but it's 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 very weird to see. It's like seeing someone I don't know, like in in a building eating this like weird pot that has eggs in it. Apparent allegedly, eggs and bacon, and they're just like eating it with a spoon. Did you see those weird pots they were eating? <laughs> yeah, it was like those Indian food dishes that like uh, have curry in them. Yeah, it's like those, but with like eggs in there. I was like, what kind of eggs are these dudes eating? You know, the egg kind. Or, yeah. or nothing. Yeah, maybe the eight kind or the nothing kind. Yeah. And uh, that's about all there is to say about that little ditty. In a more all right, then. Package. I don't believe you. Explosively new. Ernest Hemingway's The Killers. The wheels of fate challenge the killers who reach across today's great speedways to trap their victims as they roar across the screen in their Cobras, Ferraris, Maseratis at 160 miles per hour. Only Hemingway could have conceived it. Only today's screen could make the characters come so vividly alive. Lee Marvin as Charlie. Who paid him $25,000 for each killing? Well, I gotta find out what makes a man decide not to run. Why all of a sudden he'd rather die. Angie Dickinson as Sheila. She knew more than one way to kill a man. John Cassavetes as Johnny North, who boasted there was nothing that moved that he couldn't handle. And Sheila moved. You have a better idea? Unconditional surrender. Ronald Reagan as Browning, who planned a million-dollar heist and got more than he bargained for. You get back to the hotel and stay there. I like it here. Well, I can change that in a hurry. Clue Gulliger as Lee. With or without a pistol, he was deadly as a cobra. Mickey, you will tell us everything. The way he's got it planned. There'll be just the two of you in the getaway car. And more than a million dollars. What are you doing? Let me get to them before they get to me. No. I want to set you straight, but you got it all wrong. This is no game. Now I want the truth, the whole truth. I'll help you. God, you're going out. I want to express. Do you understand that? Next up, The Killers, 1964, directed by Don Siegel. Oh, baby. Tagline for this film, there's more than one way to kill a man. Is and, there? And the synopsis, a hitman and his partner try to find out why their latest victim, a former race car driver, did not try to get away. So? So why isn't this... Both two hitmen. Why is it a hitman and his partner? <laughs> it's just so awkward. It's like, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, Jarrett. That's uh, yeah. Anyways, so very first thing that hits me with this movie—it's been a while. This one I saw first uh, mm-hmm. a long time ago. Uh, I was like, "Wait, why is this in full frame?" And then I'm like, "Oh, this was meant for uh, to be made for TV, and in fact, it was going to be like the first made-for-TV movie, but it was deemed too violent for television." Oh fuck! Is it violent? Is it violent, RJ? Uh, well, based on the, the extremely fake way that they shoot the guns in the intro, I don't think it's very violent. You see how they, they're like, pa, pa, pa. Like, I'm pretty sure they were making the sound effects with their face. They're like, poo, poo. And they're just like, like, lust, or thrusting, the, lusting. They're busting the guns forward. Yes. I so, mean, that's the only violent thing about this, isn't it? So this movie opens up with a bold proclamation. Ernest Hemingway's The Killers <laughs> and is the most yes. inaccurate of uh, tellings. Any of them. Of, yeah. Yeah, of any of them, this is the in- most inaccurate. As uh, it opens up with uh, these two boys, they uh-huh. show up at the the School of the Blind, Toxic Avengers, nowhere to be seen. <laughs> and uh, they are there to murder John Cassavetes. And then? And then get rich. <laughs> so they show up and there's like some like almost like blind jokes that are like, well, yeah, this is weird. This doesn't feel like a, a hard bitten like neo-noir or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of like feels like Batman <laughs> like at times. <laughs> like it, it, this movie's like bright poppy colors. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really feel like there's a whole lot of danger going on. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Old uh, hound dog Lee Marvin, he's he's like, hmm, something about this doesn't fit. Why did that guy seem so okay with us killing him? His partner doesn't <laughs> give a shit. He's like too busy being cool and being the young upstart that you know is going to wind up dead because that's what happens. Carrot juice. That's that's what happens to the guys like him wearing his sunglasses mm-hmm. inside, being a real dickhead. Yep. And so yeah, the guy they kill this John Cassavetes. He's a future Criterion alum too making those movies of his own. Pretty soon. Yeah. And then Rosemary's Baby and stuff. And I just saw him mm-hmm. and Lee Marvin together in like Dirty Dozen, which they don't make for another three years till after mm. this. So Big anyway, true. They're, they're hanging out, being being pals. So we get flashbacks, lots of flashbacks to John Cassavetes and Angie Dickinson. And because mm-hmm. uh, you know what? Lee Marvin's cool. Let's make him uh, not in this movie as much. That's always a... Uh, a big old bummer. What do and they do in those flashbacks, Jared? They drive cars in front of like very cheap rear projection. And what else? Uh, they drive some more and they go for dinner. And there's talk about, you know, the future and like how she loves like da- men with these mm. dangerous jobs. She like boxers too. But then we get the, the real money, the, the real money of this film. Future president of the United States of America, oh, Ronald Reagan, pack in, pack in some legendary hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what all, else does he do? Uh, well, he slaps a woman, RJ. Mm. I which, can which put into that very quickly. Which I, I, I can just throw out right there and there that uh, he apparently regretted that a lot. He 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 really wished he hadn't done that in that movie. Do you think he regretted it, or he regretted it being filmed? I, I think everything, the whole uh, kitten caboodle. I mean, 
like I know he was the president and stuff, but it's still a movie. He's just acting. He didn't really slap that woman, did he? No. <laughs> yeah, so it's no biggie. He's nowhere near her face. Yeah, it's no biggie. It's like Lee Marvin in the big heat, th- like smashes like hot coffee in a woman's face. Well, Lee and- Marvin and the opening of this movie shakes the shit out of a blind. Oh, woman. Yeah, that that bit's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's roughing up these blind ladies, and he's like, "Listen here, you bitch! I don't care if you're blind." Wow, that's RJ's screenplay writing right there. <laughs> a real Christopher McQuarrie here. Oh, oh, who? Christopher is McQuarrie, that, Tom Cruise's the- man. Mm, why did he just get hit with a scandal or no oh okay good yeah i'll be him yeah you can just watch uh way of the gun and you'll be like wow i wish i could write this well hmm big if true hey seymour cassell is in this movie yeah he's uh at the hotel i didn't know that yeah he he makes a discreet phone call i didn't watch this movie i guess not i I was all over that i didn't realize man i was too busy watching uh Ronald Reagan slap ladies. Oh, at the, the very end of the movie. Where were you yeah. for the rest of it? Well, I don't know if you know this, Jared, but most of this movie is John Cassavetes driving a go kart. And <laughs> oh, uh, man, that go kart scene. I was pretty. I was pretty checked out for that. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. So, this movie, I found uh, two things I really liked: the first two minutes and the last two minutes. Mostly because the first, this movie really fucking gets you riled up right at the start. That music's pumping and it's got that red screen mm-hmm. and then it's just like Lee Marvin and you're like, holy shit. You're like, this is the real deal here. And it, you get introduced to Lee Marvin. He's going into the school of the blind. He's roughing up people. He fucking runs in there and you're just like, God damn, he's got no, he's got no empathy. He's got no feelings, Jared. And then they kill him. Mm-hmm. John Cassavetes, that is. And then I don't think it's, again, just like in the other one where it's like, I don't feel like this insurance guy was warranted in the extent of which he looked into this. And I feel like the same is with this because Lee Marvin is like, you know, that guy didn't really try to get away. That was a little weird. But uh, I think they overplay that scene because they like enter the room and he just stands there and he's like, uh. but like, what was he going to do? You know, what was he going to do? Like hide under the desk? I guess maybe that's probably what people do. Yeah. Do, and then, and but, then they wouldn't have thought anything of it, but he just yeah. stood there and took it. And he's like, that's weird. I've killed a lot of people in my life. I think it would have been better if they emphasized it a little more. Like if he had just sat down and he was like, all right. But I feel like that's not even that weird too, because it's, I, I feel like if these guys are professional hitmen, maybe like one in 20 guys might be like, ah, all right, whatever. And just kind of like, Accept and, and, it. And, and they too also have a million dollar stake hidden away somewhere. Mm, mm. Yeah. Did uh, they rob a hat factory too, or was it the U S postal service? Yeah. They just took that big old sack with the dollar sign on it. Ooh, baby. So yeah, you have that. And I felt like his motivations were a little bit weird. Um, and like I said earlier, I think the boxing background is a lot more interesting than the race car driver, because I don't think the race car driver is like, very interesting at all. I guess it's to add. Well, it doesn't. Action. It doesn't help that like the actual race car footage is like very undramatic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah. But at the it's, same time, it's a lot of uh, rear projection, and it's like, but it's not very well executed. Yeah. 
No. It's not. I mean, I would say that, like, on the whole, on watching these back-to-back, I, I think I enjoyed this one more, but... I think that's just because I like John Cassavetes and I like Lee Marvin. Yeah. And even when mm-hmm. they're not like doing the most interesting of things and like, and this is the thing. It's like, I, I like Burt Lancaster a lot. Um, but I'd say it's like, Ooh, we got two in this one and only one in the other. Um, yeah. but yeah, there's like nothing again, like nothing too much to write home about. I mean, I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching this. There's like yeah. some like, it's it, it's like watching a good made for TV movie. That's just like, Oh yeah, this is like Sunday afternoon watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing's nothing, nothing's going to stick to your bones. Nothing's going to like. Uh, I mean, I watching it again. I was kind of like, oh yeah, the reveal of Ronald Reagan with the binoculars and the stands at the uh, racetrack. And then I, I love his uh, his henchman, his like right hand man, because he's a very mm-hmm. nice man. He's kind of like kind of quiet. Well, like kind of like not like a grimacing evil henchman. Uh, he's not like a typical heavy. He's kind of just like, hey, calm down. Like don't don't be <laughs> acting like that. And when he's like having his sweat. And uh, he's being interrogated. Mm-hmm. He seems like a decent man on the whole. I agree. Yeah. He does seem like a decent and, and man. And even, on the uh, whole. even uh, Ronnie here, uh, he, he's like, for the most part, keeps his cool till he gets really mm-hmm. pissed off near the end. Uh, then it's like, he's lying. And then it's like, when they find out, oh, he lied to us. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, he did. Because <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he wants to keep his money. Well, why wouldn't he lie, Jerry? Why wouldn't he lie? Why wouldn't he lie? Uh, yes, I agree with what you just said. That you enjoyed. I was totally... No, yeah, like, <laughs> I uh, I do think it is, like... I liked it a little bit more, too, just because I like John Cassavetes and I like Lee Marvin. And it was, it was novel to see Ronald Reagan walking around. I think the only other thing I've seen him in is uh, that Dan Aykroyd uh, UFO... movie where he's just sitting in a dark room in a chair smoking for an hour and a half apparently he's credited in that i don't know (laughs) where but all right uh so yeah like i i think i like this one the most too just because it had the most pop i guess but i i do think the 46 one has better yeah it, the 46 one is like better aesthetically, like just watching it. And then I think this one is. It's easier to watch. It's easier to watch. Yeah, because it's like more like boom, 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 boom. That's that music at the start. Yeah, the, the, and that's that. Uh, everyone knows what, that feeling that I just <laughs> described to you. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Well, we're, we're doing it here. We're doing here on the podcast. Hey, how many N words were dropped in this one? None. Oh, well, see, I, I'm. Well, I mean, Ronald Reagan hit a lady, but uh, it's not like Tarkovsky uh, full-on blackface, so that's good. Well, I mean, Tarkovsky's uh, blacking up his friends, shooting horses. People can't see, but Jarrett's in blackface right now. Oh, come on. Well, you you make gross ex- <laughs> uh, exaggerations of my character frequently, <laughs> all the time. See? See what I'm dealing with here? You see? Well, RJ, let's yes? discuss who hates the killers. I mean, does anyone even care that much? I can't no? see why they would. So for 1946, yeah. we got Lindsay Wilson. Okay. Trash, I'm sorry. Half I feel star. like uh, <laughs> I feel like she should have used a comma. That's not internet. You know? That's not internet, RJ. It's not internet? I, this person watches a lot of these oldies. <sighs> Favorite movies include the... The More the Merrier from 1943. 
Great Escape, Cape Fear, the old one. Uh, Jaws seems weird. Uh, half star movies include Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. School of Rock, Citizen Kane, Easy Rider, which you were just talking about. Um, I was talking about a documentary. But Easy Rider? Easy Rider's Raging Bulls. Oh, I thought you were talking about Easy Rider. That fits into the that fits into that whole thing. This person also gave Grey Gardens one star, which I feel is unfair, and also Holes one star, which is not, Holes is a really good show. I don't know why everyone shits on Holes all the time. You know. Sophie V88, two stars. Mm-hmm. This adaptation is incorrect. What ad- adaptation would be correct, Sophie? Sovive. Uh, favorite movies include Jarrett's favorite movie, Happiness, Sleepaway Camp, Heathers. Hey, yeah, uh, those are all gooders. And uh, It's Such a Beautiful Day, that animated thing. Oh. Um, there are, this person has many, many, many five star reviews. But uh, these half-star reviews are pretty telling. Uh, Blood for Dracula, Shallow Howl, You Don't Mess with the Zohan, a certified creep-approved four-star film. (laughs) Not accurate. Well, I mean by our fans, not by... Oh, I see. Yeah, a lot of people email in in the preamble about how they like the Zohan. Zohan. (laughs) All right. That's it. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. 1964's The Killers. Okay. Chris Mack, half a star. Mm-hmm. I could not get through this version. I don't even know how they can say Ernest Hemingway's before the title. This bears no resemblance to the chilling short story. Instead of terrorizing a few people in a diner, the killers terrorize a school for the blind. Really. Ironically, John Cassavetes is in this piece of junk. Most likely only to be able to fund his own films. Ronald Reagan plays mm, a heavy a in this take. thing. A heavy Reagan nuff said. What a hot take, Jarrett. I mean, oh, did you know John Cassavetes was in movies that he didn't want to be in just so that he could create his own films? Did you know that, Jarrett? Why are you talking this about person, Bobby Boucher. That's all I, that's all I want to know. <laughs> well, I don't know. This They have zero five-star ratings. They have one half-star rating, like... I mean, who even are these people? But their favorite films include Manhattan, Patterson. <laughs> did, did they watch it when they were 12? Grand Illusion. I'm pretty sure they watched all of these movies when they were 12. Yeah. They are a uh, writer and producer of film and digital content. Ooh. <laughs> uh-huh. See what I mean there, Jared? We are also producers of digital content. Some would say. Finally, one and a half stars, Tony Wharton. I'm a that's huge. A, that's a name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Lee Marvin, but this sure. abomination should never have been made. <laughs> Watching it on the wow. heels of the 1946 version only made it worse. Lee Marvin and John Cassavetes were definitely slumming it. Norman mm-hmm. Fell, Claude Atkins, Ronald Reagan. Where to think he would become governor of California just three years later? Bad exposition. Is that- TV backlot sets. Oh yeah, they're like the one set that they're on in front of the hotel. It is a straight up like movie backlot that, that I've seen. Is that bad? Yeah, it's cheap. It, it definitely exposes the movie. But those are the same sets that uh, were you know used for like movies like Blade Runner. But then they mm. just gussy them up, put some rain on that, get some neon, shoot at night. Mm. Ooh, movie magic. TV mm. music and camera work. 
I won't call it cinematography. (laughs) (laughs) Criterion should never have packaged these two versions together, even for a laugh. At least the ending was truly noir. Noir. So the end, yeah, the ending's uh pretty, uh you know, whatever. It's like you know he shows up, he's like he gets vengeance for his fallen comrade, that Lee Marvin. He storms the house, this lights people up, and then he, but he gets it himself mm. and walks out of, into the uh, you know Los Angeles suburb, and then the money goes blowing out in, into a big lump. Blowing <laughs> out he, where? I don't know your ass, and then uh, <laughs> and then and then Big Lee's dead. That's true. Hey, do you want to hear some bad takes from Tony Wharton? Sure. One Star Films, Starship Troopers, and Death Wish. Death Wish, Jarrett. Not good. I'm giving a Sad. disapproving eyebrow right now. Uh, some two star films include. Oh no, wait, this isn't what I was going to show you. Two and a half star films include. Oh, wait, I clicked on the same thing again. Two and a half star films include. Wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. So a lot of their movies that they liked were like criterion type movies, Jared. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, I don't even know what that means anymore. Okay, two star films. This is what I wanted to get at. This is what I wanted to get at. Uh, no, it's not. What the what the fuck was I looking at? I was looking at something and I was like, you, oh, those are weird takes. You, you bring so much to the table. Hey, do you know what I'm talking about, Jared, over there? Oh, no, it was the four-and-a-half-star films. That's what it was. Four-and-a-half-stars to The Other Killers, the 46 one. Hmm. Four-and-a-half-stars to The Horse's Mouth with Alec. <laughs> oh. Smart Alec. Alec Guinness. Uh, four-and-a-half-stars to Mon uh, on Cole, which was like a fine movie, but that's not a four-and-a-half-star film. You know what I mean, Jared? Wonderful. See, I got there eventually. Marvelous. I got there eventually. Nice. Nice. Um, Well, there you go. So what is, if someone had only one destination, RJ, what would you send them toward? Tarkovsky, Lee Marvin, Burt Lancaster, or just to the source material? I would probably just watch Butt Crack. Instead, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube for free. I don't know, like the Lee Marvin one, because he's in it. But it's like I don't know the the forty six one is looks better, but yeah, the sixty four one is it's a, an it's easier. Like a, yeah, watch. It, it definitely has like a, a it feels like a real movie. This like I said, like this movie has like that aesthetic of like pop art, which also makes me just think mm-hmm. of Batman. Yeah, but then if you if you watch both of those, you might as well watch the Tarkovsky. And if you watch one of them, you might as well watch the other. It's a no-win gambit. You either watch them all or don't watch any. And honestly, you could get by without watching. Well, just like uh, Burt Lancaster, after the break, we're just going to lay around in bed waiting for for our killers to come and put us out of our misery. Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't mm-hmm. have hit him. Sure, sure hell.
Jay? When are you going to hit huh. me and take our money? I've been trying for years. You always just turn around before I can club you. You yep. can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about, I don't know, money. Clubbing you? Patreon. <laughs> we got sure? a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Mm-hmm. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. And t- Timbler. Mm-hmm. Timbler. Red tube. Next week, uh, Spine 177. Uh, the Lost Honor of Katharina Blum from 1975? Directed by what? Volker Schlondorf and no Margaret von Trotta? Whoa, I've been waiting for that for years. Oh, man. Whoa. Next week, so a, a whole new podcast of enthusiasm. Whoa, I can't wait. <laughs> and, it's, and it's on the Criterion channel? What? Uh, is this the kind of enthusi- amazing? Is this the kind of enthusiasm that the Criterion Collection need for us to get sponsorship from them? Whoa! Have you ever heard I of love- Blue? Have you ever heard of Blue Apron? I love everything they're doing. Check us out on Audible.com, Zip Recruiter, <laughs> or uh, Butcher's Block. Use, Whoa! Use the promotional code Creep on Shutter.com. If it doesn't work. Email them and ask them why they don't have a Creeps promotion. Kill yourself. Whew. <sighs>